If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's a show you would endorse. Page of singing, of course. And Mikey loves a woman with teeth like a horse. And, and Todd's getting winky blinky because RTBS. Hey! Simply This podcast irresistible. Get us on that space list. And this pod is the reason. This podcast irresistible. Because there's a character limit. Simply irresistible. Damn, girl. You podcast with that ass? Everybody hit record. This is not a Paw Patrol movie. I can't talk about it. Defunct Paw Patrol. We're going to pull it back. We're going to pull it back for this, you think? You think the P.S. I Love You episode's going to be a pulled back reserved episode? (laughs) We're not even starting recording till 9 p.m. No, no, no. Paw Patrol is. like I'm not going to say APAB. All pups are bad until it's really needed. (laughs) I'm coming into this episode with late night energy and the power of the rage of of the blood moon and i can't guarantee what's gonna happen <laughs> i think we're all on the same page about this film yeah we definitely are i say we kick it off and have a little fun cool thank you for tuning into romance in the pod <laughs> you had us at hello i'm rage wesley <laughs> <laughs> and i'm crikey randolph i didn't have a pun ready to go like in the- <laughs> yeah i didn't pre-write my intro so i'm just todd schlosser and i made you all watch <laughs> i feel like it would be easier to rhyme a name with todd i mean i feel like i easily could have just said god schlosser and then it would have been like too on the nose you know too much dial back he's trying to make us start a church again anyway you made us watch <laughs> p.s i love you todd why did you pick it Uh, I picked it because I honestly thought it was going to be a bonkers rom-com in reverse, sort of like the last five years, where like we sort of see this romance from a different perspective than we normally see it, and I thought it was going to be like silly and stupid and funny, and it was none of those things ever in the movie, and it broke my heart. Hard disagree. I felt this was very silly, very stupid, and very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I am glad to hear that. Because I found a lot of humor in watching it. I was disappointed it wasn't like 
what I thought it was going to be, which is like a bonkers, you know, Charlie St. Cloud episode. It will be. Charlie St. Cloud is a film I could watch again because it's so bonkers. It's yes. enjoyable. <laughs> this does not go that far. Right. Yeah. I lost two hours today. <laughs> you technically lost two hours and six minutes. I looked up the runtime. And I'll never get them back. No. Although I'll say this. Everyone should watch this movie and just try and like parse out what like Gerard Butler's character was doing for like the last few months of his life. Thank you. I have so many questions. Because like you can't just record that level quality of audio on that tape like on a whim. It's not like it is now where like everyone has a podcast. Like he went to a studio to record a tape. That had like backing music. We gotta talk about this. I'd like to thank the film th uh, P.S. I Love You because I never thought that I would be rooting for cancer. <laughs> it, it wasn't even, well, I, guess, I mean, it's a tumor. We don't know if it was a cancerous tumor, but okay, here's my thing. If it had been cancer, that would have made sense to me because it, it doesn't always take people quick. Sometimes it takes a long time. And he would have had the time to kind of set all this in motion. Yeah. They specifically say it was a brain tumor, which usually goes one of two ways. Either they find the brain tumor and then you go through some painful operations and stuff to remove it. And maybe you unfortunately die in the operation. Maybe that's what happened. Or they remove it. Or they find it when you die because they're like, oh, shit, how did they die? Turns out they had a giant brain tumor. Well, it could have metastasized like pancreatic cancer. I guess. But like the it's the movie plays this. And I guess every person's different and their brain tumor is different, I guess. But like the movie plays this out as if they found out he had a brain tumor and then he was like, perfect. I have six months. Yes. And and then it just like tick 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 boom and then it goes and you're just like what <laughs> like <laughs> I guess that could happen I guess but like why didn't they just make it cancer that would just be less complicated and have less questions it was weird where it wasn't just like I've got terminal cancer would have just been an easier sentence to say yeah <laughs> but I like it better this way because they're so toxic I, I okay okay they should not be together yes okay. I have to ask you this question. Do you think you would have liked the movie more if it had just started at the wake? Yes, yes. 100%. Uh, I completely agree. Because when you see them together in that one apartment scene. It ruins the film. It does. It ruins the film. It does. It's very much a slice of life, right? Which I sort of dig. But like that is not what we're here to see. Pick a romantic slice. That's what I mean. But it, it felt very realistic to like a conversation you might have with someone like this, right? Absolutely not. If my husband and I had this argument, I would ask for fucking divorce. <laughs> Maybe not you because you haven't had toxic relationships. But like, yeah, I've been in relationships that were like this level of nuts. And believe me. They were each of them terrible. No, she is infinitely more terrible than him in that original argument, and I will make a oh, case for it. I'm not saying either neither of them are saints. So yeah, I know I completely agree. If I'm understanding the scene, and we can get into it in detail when we get to that scene. Let's but wait, like, Mikey, and okay, break it let's down. Table. Then. Let's yeah. I do think overall that scene weakens the rest of the film. Me too. It undermines the whole movie. Because his letters are very sweet. Yeah. Yes. But this movie is so unfocused in her, like, 
you know, an ex- exploration of grief uh, and love like this would be really cute, I think. Yes. Somewhat. But the Harry Connick Jr. side quest <laughs> character really also subtracted from the film for me. Okay. I, I got to talk about it. I, I'll burn a fun fact to get into this, right? Okay. okay so this okay. is based on a book, right? Sure. This is based on a book. The book takes place entirely in Ireland. There is no New York part. Her parents are not split up. She has a huge family. And the book is largely about her and each of the family members that knew him coming to terms with the loss. She never sleeps with one of his friends. She doesn't go to meet his parents. She like runs into them on accident. It's like a whole thing. There is no Harry John Connick Jr. character. That makes way more sense. Yeah. So like that makes so much more sense. But with Harry Connick Jr., at a certain point, he disappears from this movie for an hour. And I was like, if he's our love interest, where the fuck is he? And then they bring him back. And then they're like, oh, no, it's not going to work out. And for a hot second, I was like, fuck, yes, this movie has the balls for her to be an independent woman on her own. Nope. 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 We're going to take her back to Ireland <laughs> and set up a scenario that will end up on the front page of Pornhub because literally she like introduces her mom oh, yeah. to the guy she slept with's dad, which would make them step siblings if things went further. I can't. Yeah. I can't with this movie. I like that part. Paige, I don't know if you know this, but for her, that was part of it. It was part of it, I think, yeah. That was actually the final letter's final wishes. was like, <laughs> I want your mom to fuck my friend's dad. My friend's and dad. And you end up with my friend. It's perfect. Ugh. If I start dying of cancer, I'm going to write really fucking weird letters to random people in my life, <laughs> asking them to do crazy things, and just being, I just know if there is an afterlife that I'm laughing my ass off, being like... <laughs> Did you go to the well and throw the tape in without telling anybody or looking what's on the tape? <laughs> it was just a blank tape. <laughs> <laughs> on the tape's just me being like, you idiot. <laughs> it's just recorded episodes of Paw Patrol. <laughs> and they're like, how did he get a VCR? We don't, talk, we, don't talk, we don't talk Paw Patrol on the podcast page. We don't talk about the police state. <laughs> what, what else? I mean, um, it was long. It was a little boring. It was a little wild. You could cut an hour out of this movie yes oh and i wish you had because that first scene is like 20 minutes it is and you could cut all of ireland out (laughs) serious criticism time i had trouble knowing how much time had passed since he died throughout the film yeah and that really distracted me because it made me hate harry connick jr who one hits on her at his wake but also like i'm like is this four days later and he's like you're really hot and i really like you and is that a week later a month later that's that's a month and some change later yes. yeah that's still very soon <laughs> pretty soon she's still lugging around the giant huge urn that's the size of a guitar yes yes babe. she's like holding it hey can you throw those ashes away i'm ready to smash <laughs> yeah this urn goes to 11 it does look like a spinal tap urn you're right <laughs> I felt like they wrote themselves in a corner with his character where like she should have been like, I'm not interested in you and this is way too soon. But instead they're like, oh, you're like my brother. Oh, okay. Well, I just like you. Yeah. We're like, everything's great. When in reality, that situation would be highly awkward for everyone. And their friends would be like, that fucking guy needs to leave you alone for a little while while you deal with this. Yep. I have, I have two things. One, the shoe designing is not in the book. Really? Yes, it's one of the most bonkers parts of this movie. We'll talk about it when we get there, too. It is insane. I yelled for Natalie. I was like, Natalie, you got to come back. She's, like, designing artwork, but they're shoes? 
Okay, secondly. Just create. I don't care how or why, just create. Create. I don't care if it cripples people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they were terrible shoes. Wait, 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 Todd, before we launch into I'm sorry, it. okay, okay, we'll talk about it later, I'll table it, I'm sorry. Okay, table, table, table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why? Because the movie sets up that he's been a limo driver for years and is starting his own limo company, which would actually be pretty profitable. Yeah. And they like shit on him as if that's like him not holding up his end of the bargain financially when she has no job or whatever, or she's like a realtor, but she hates it, but she's had like five jobs in two years, whatever. But then we reveal that he's got like musical talent and stuff. I was like, why didn't you just make his character in a band? Like, if, if you want her to be mad at him because they don't have the life that she wants, make him a guy in a band that you're like, when are you going to quit the band? That solves a million issues in this movie. The movie never does it. The limo thing comes up a couple times because Spike from Buffy drives the limo. But other than that, it's just gone. Well, also, they live in New York City, right? And yeah. their argument yes. is, do we make enough money here to have children? And I'm like, I see your jobs. Do you need to live in New York City if you really, if like family is really where you both want to go at right now? Here's what I'm going to tell you, Mikey. If she just got really good at being a real estate agent and she let him found his limo company, then yeah, they would have just probably been able yes. to have had kids where they were. Oh, I don't think she was a good real estate agent. She keeps getting lost in Ireland. I mean, but like her whole thing is like, I'm not fulfilled. I don't want to work for an idiot. And I have a huge problem with that in general because like- Because I am not an idiot. No, but like <laughs> sometimes to make your dreams come true, to get where you want to get, sometimes you got to work for an idiot for a while. No path is completely linear. Sometimes that is the climb along the way of I'm working for an idiot. I'm putting time in so I can do the thing that I want to do and I'm working to get there. And this is part of it that I have to get through. The notion that you should just never have to work for an idiot and always be completely fulfilled at all times and never have any struggle is insane to me. And I hate it. And I hate it when movies do it. And I hate it when people do it in real life. And she does it so much in this movie. I just assumed that she was like, I don't know, super wealthy the second he died? She couldn't have been. Hospital bills. I know. I, But like, this doesn't make any sense to me because she seems to never work again after she gets fired, right? She shows one apartment. Right. But she, that's the one she gets fired at during, right? Yeah. And then there's like... Three years more of this movie. There's a whole year. It's a whole year. She doesn't work for a year. Yeah. She just designs fucking shoes, which again, cool. So, I okay. Does this movie make more sense if she took a ton of life insurance on him and then murdered him? Absolutely. I'm not saying yes to that because of the legal proceedings, but yeah. Like, yes, but Paw Patrol is going to have to come back with a fucking warrant. Yeah, she fled the country as well. Oh, that's true. my God. At the end of this movie, she is fleeing prosecution for sure. She's like, I don't think we're going to go back. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also really hate, I really hate that her whole thing is like, I'm an artist. What kind of art do you do? I don't know. What? All of it. But not all of it. We see her do none of it. And then she's like, apparently shoes. And I'm like, I'm glad you found your shoe thing. That's great. But like, it's one thing if someone's like, what kind of art do you do? And you, and you say, I do a lot of different things. I work in this medium. I do this. I'm exploring this. That's a different answer. Her answer is, I don't know. 
that's like on Too Hot to Handle on the first season where they asked that girl what her tattoo said and she said she didn't know. Like, girl, you put that on your body. Like, homegirl, you paid for art school. You better know what kind of art you like to art. But they got married when she was 19, which means the person we're seeing in that scene is like the 18 version of that girl. Sure, at least at 18, even I was like, I like to do these kinds of things. I had some answer. Oh, I know, I know. I, I'm just. I like to draw. That's all she had to fucking say. That's all she had to say. I know. Like I don't know what I was gonna fucking do when I was 18. You know? Yeah. At 18, you would have been like, I like to pay, play drums and I like comedy. Exactly. So like I would have, I would have been like at 18, I would have been like, I'm gonna be a fucking rock star, you fucking nerd. I accept that answer. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And all I'm saying is like, I would have had a definitive answer, unlike her in that scene. But also she's 18 and like sort of like, you know, into the dude that's talking to her randomly on the side of the road in a strange country. So like, you know, I think I hate Hillary Swank. I just don't <laughs> like her in anything. And like, I think that plays. I was not expecting you to say that. I think that plays a role in this. But like, I like the part in Million Dollar Baby where she falls. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm triggered by that now after I fell in the shower. I would like to thank the stool in that movie no making it i actually have never seen it and i like hillary swank i think she's great i like hillary swank i I don't have any problems with hillary swank i've enjoyed her in many another movie i have a problem with the character in this movie because even in that first argument where she is the movie posits that she is 30 she still has no answer for what kind of art she wants to art, but she still wants to shit on him for driving limos as if it's low class. I'm like, yes. bitch, those limos be funding your not art. <laughs> also, that's Gerard Butler. Not, not like now Gerard Butler, it. but like that's 2007, 300. He's a smoking tin. Yes. Like, let him do whatever the fuck. You saw that karaoke thing. Every woman in that karaoke bar would have fucked him. They were all on a slip and slide for sure. Absolutely. And then he's like, my beautiful wife. And they're like, no. <laughs> Three of them get up in the scene and walk out. He's still working a job he don't like to make their dreams happen. Yes. And she shits all over him for it. The whole first 20 minutes of the movie. All he wanted was a baby. I don't know. But here's the thing. It's not even that he immediately wants a baby. It's not. It's that, yeah. it's that she has this huge plan and is like, it has to be this. It has to be that. It has to be this. And he's like, okay, I'm doing my part. Yeah. And she's mad at him for some reason for being like hey we're not ready because he told her mom that she wasn't ready they aren't ready according to her plan we are now litigating the first fight of the let's just get it let's just get into it let's just get into it but also he's not lying no i know I but know. let's just get into it so we can go through scene by scene because we are just relitigating their first fight okay we oh we open on the first fight that we were litigating two seconds ago Back in, clock in. Okay, go. It literally is just that, though. It's like them coming home. Gerard Butler, like, is trying to get uh, Hillary Swank to talk to him. She's clearly mad and won't talk to him until they get inside because she has, like, all this to unload on him. But she cares too much about appearances. I mean, yes. Yeah, sure. Have the fight on the street. She doesn't want to cause a scene or whatever. Like, I, whatever. I, I personally believe a fight's going to happen wherever the instigator wants the fight to happen. So since it's her fight, she gets to pick terms. So they yeah, do sure. it in the apartment. That's fine. 
But I do feel like I understood both sides in the argument. I don't understand her side at all. I understand her being upset and embarrassed. Oh, I don't agree with her side. I'm not saying that. I just understood like where she was coming from. I feel like this is a feelings versus a facts fight. Oh, and yes. I don't mean, I don't want to sound like one of those hokey boomers to say that. But what I'm saying is he is rationally presenting her with like, well, you and I have talked about this. This is what we've said. And according to that, that's the information I had to go on. That's what I said to your mom. She is like, my mom wants grandkids. She's pressuring me about it. And instead of me just saying, no, back off, you said the truth. And apparently yeah. I was not ready to have that said to my mom, but I never communicated that to you. Right. So I have to find a different reason to scream at you. Yep. But all of those are not fair and not okay. And it's bad communication. She's a, a terrible communicator in this movie. I would say that he is not great either. Like they're both pretty trash. Why? He communicates. He's like, I must've done something. Please tell me what it was so I can work on it. And she's like, you said this to my mom. He's like, I did because you and I had this conversation. Yeah. X, Y, and Z. I just think later on in the fight, he does some, like, I don't know, the whole, like, I'm just going to leave, whatever. Like He should have left. He should have kept walking. After this <laughs> point, she yells at the top of her lungs to him for, like, 10 minutes. I know. It's a lot. About things that are not only not his fault, but are not failings and not bad things that he should fix. And at one point, he she yells at him, you've been driving a limo for four years. And I'm like, oh, so he's employed yes. full time doing whatever he's going to do for four years. He's working his ass off driving around New York City all day. That sounds terrible. Well, maybe you shouldn't have married the first foreign student you fucked on your exchange stu tour or whatever the fuck that was. Regardless, <laughs> he's, he's doing right by her. And then she's like, well, you got a business loan without asking me. He's like, yes, because we were going to build up the business so we could make more money to accomplish the dream that you have. Yes. And here's the other thing. She's like, I only want a baby if I have a bigger apartment, I have these things, which I understand. Yeah. As a person who in the relationship would probably be delivering a baby, I know there are financial concerns because I'd be out of work. There are things we need to provide. Yeah. I get it. And that's a conversation that you have. They have clearly had that conversation. He is like, this is what I'm doing to try and further that. And she's yelling at him about it as if he could somehow magic money. And he then turns to her and is like, I am holding up my end of the bargain. What are you doing? You have had five different jobs in two years. You keep quitting and you have not added to this savings at all. And she says, I can't work for idiots, which is incredibly unfair because he's working for whoever driving limos because he's trying to get her the things that she wants and it's a thing they want as a couple she is not participating but is somehow holding that against him and then she <laughs> screams at him to leave yes and he's like okay i will and i really hoped that he would walk down the stairs back onto the sidewalk and off into his own life of his own <laughs> making with his limo money but no because this is a movie here's the wild part this isn't like 30 minutes in where you like like these characters and you no. see this coming as like a slow train wreck and you're like don't do it this is where it starts no you just this is your first impression of your main character and you're kind of just like well 
you know, this wasn't a great relationship. You know, like that was, yeah, they should break up. I mean, I was sad that he died. He's working, and like you obviously married him because he's a hot Irish guy. So like, and he does seem to like really love the shit out of her. Yeah, he he loves the shit out of her. And he's working his ass off for her. Yeah, like, what do you want? Was he super rich? He didn't seem super rich on his Irish farm in a band. He's an Irish farming guy who is in a band. Like, you know what you're getting there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, unless he's literally in the Dropkick Murphys. Potatoes and unemployment checks. Yes, yeah. But it's not unemployment checks. He is working for her to support. He's paying for that fucking apartment. Like That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. He's exceeding expectations. Yeah. Yeah, they could never afford that apartment, by the way. But also... This is the the other thing, because for a while I was like, well, maybe his death, she'll learn and this, you know, whatever she matures past that argument. Ooh. No. Later in the movie, when she's like creating her vision board, <laughs> did you read her vision board? No. No. It's fucking insane because the first thing on it is a salary over a hundred thousand dollars in 2007 oh no i did see that yeah no, no no i saw that but then also which again she lives in new york i understand but the second thing is a bigger apartment for fucking who you're alone bitch what are we doing <laughs> then there's just, it's all and then it's just like designer clothes it's all money things and i'm like who is this materialistic bitch? Well, she's <laughs> Hillary Swanky. Okay, Paige. Hell yeah. At this point in the movie, when I was like, this woman only seems to care about someone getting her a bigger apartment. And when he can't do it, I guess she has to do it herself. <laughs> but who's going to hire a former art student for $158,000 in today's dollars? With no marketable skills. Yeah. And then it's like designer shoes. And then overnight, she's a shoe designer. I was like, what? And I, at, at that point, I was like, this has to be written by men. And the screenplay was, but the book was written by a lady. But the screenplay, lots of changes, including the shoes. And I was like, these are men who don't understand women at all. You know how women be designing shoes, right, Mikey? Wait, are we in the first scene or are we still talking about it? We are still in the first scene. I mean, P.S. I hate you, am I right? <laughs> I was off board immediately. Same. I was like, am I supposed to root for her? Same. It, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. His first letter made me cry. Yeah. And, but then I thought back to this scene and I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, I cried a ton in this movie, but like, I didn't want him to die, but I didn't want him to be with her anymore. Yes. And I'm sad that his life took that way to get himself out of it. He needed her for the rest of the time because he gets cancer like right after this argument. We, yeah, we don't see any part of that. Yeah. But here, okay, I will spoil another fun fact. So a lot of plot things change book to movie. The letters don't change. All the letters were the same. And the letters are the part of this movie that makes me just utterly sob. Yeah. Like, sob uncontrollably but then you're right mikey i remember the first fight of this movie and i'm like these people shouldn't be together and this is very sad but she has a lot of growing to do just as a person yeah before she enters into another relationship and she does kind of use harry connick jr as a little bit of an emotional support person um yes i definitely feel like that was a one-sided connection yes and and when he set that boundary i was like i actually really like 
I kind of hope that he holds to it. And then they still brought them back together to kiss. And it was like, I, I did like the way that resolved because I did not want them to be together. Right. Same. I didn't want them together. Yeah. But well, let's, let's keep going through the plot. But the first 30 minutes is just, well, maybe not 30, but like 20 minutes is just them having this fight. And then it cuts to his wake. Well, not quite. So they have the fight, right? And at one point she screams at him, I'm just here waiting for you to make your fortune, with, which is an insane thing to say to somebody. But this is where he like comes back in and does like a strip tease for her. Oh shit, I forgot about this because it was so traumatizing. I hated it. I hated it too. And then he like pulls on his suspenders and like the little clip from the suspender hits him in the eye. And I was like, this is actually helping me get through this really troubling scene. And then the credits hit. Wait, first, and I was like, what? Wait, first we have to talk about they're not a couple that has sex with the lights on at all. And they argue over who turns the light off. Yes, bonkers. I'd have been like, I want to see this. You're looking hot tonight. You just yelled at me for 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, same. I want to see what's going on. Um, but the the thing that broke off his suspenders that hit him in the eye. Yeah. Is that the thing that falls on the shoe and makes her be like, I can be a shoe artist? Yes. That is so dumb. I love it. <laughs> like, that is the kind of attention to who gives a fuck that I love. It's my favorite. Oh, God. So the credits hit, and then we end up at his wake at her mom's bar. Her mom, thankfully played by Kathy Bates, not so thankfully not doing the Waterboy accent, which would have chef's choice. She is the audience surrogate because she, she hates everyone in this film. And I love yes. that about her character. <laughs> Until we reveal at the end that she was part of it the whole time. Spoiler alert, Paige. Jesus. I wanted them to reveal I it. thought she was writing the letters, too. And I was like, Me oh, too, my God. Paige, I wanted them to reveal that at the end. That's so fucked up. Well, okay. <laughs> But she she's honest and she's like, you can't not do a promise that someone on their deathbed makes you do. Like, no, you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot emotionally traumatize. I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about it, honestly. Fuck, now that I'm thinking about it, that would be hard to say. God, you can't say no. Fuck. That's like the only That's why I want to do a lot of weird stuff if I'm dying. <laughs> Mikey's like, please don't, please don't leave a letter from me, Mikey. You got to burn that house down. It's my dying <laughs> wish. I will not commit a felony again for you. Again. <laughs> I do think that there are points where her mom is like stop grieving now and you can't tell someone to grieve on your timeline like that's not you can't right but again time moves so weirdly in this film that i don't know if it's been two years or two weeks it's only one year everything in this movie happens in a single fucking year which is wild no it does not yeah, it does. It says spring, summer, autumn, and then yep. a couple weeks later they go to Ireland. It's one year. There's a three-year jump after the wake. No, there's Is not. It? I'll check. Hang on. I thought this was all one year because they just kept saying spring, summer, autumn. Yeah. Okay, shit. It says three weeks later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. That's okay, brother. That's just like a metric version of a year. Fuck. The whole time I was like, what the fuck? Because the movie doesn't explain well. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, and if you miss misread or miss that one Chiron, you're you're uh, like unmoored. <laughs> what is happening in the movie? Yeah, that's insane. And it does say the seasons, but it still doesn't feel the the time doesn't feel good. It just doesn't. I don't know. This movie doesn't feel good to me. It's all over the place. I am relieved that it was three weeks and that like Gerard Butler's character didn't have like the sheer fucking gall to be like. Okay, after three years, this is when I'm going to show back up and, like, 
make you a cake in a tape. It's so fucking crazy. And then be like, over the course of the year, I will eventually allow you to see other people. Like the audacity of him anyway is crazy to think it would take three years. I'd already be remarried <laughs> three years later. I know. The better part of that would be is if the letter starts showing up and she's just like, Laying it down with a, like a ton of people. Oh, I mean, if it was three years later, that is what would happen, though, right? Like, he's like, get rid of my stuff, and it's already at Goodwill. Like, yeah. <laughs> if that is your child, that is an acceptable plan, not your wife. Wait, what do you mean if that's your child? Oh, if you're writing letters to your child, like, write letters like, yeah. read this before you get married, or read this before yeah, your 21st sure, birthday. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, shit, man. Like, if, I, if I knew I was dying and had like time to do that, I would definitely have conversations with like Natalie about like, hey, please live your life. No, Todd, I would just show up two weeks later at your wake and be like, Natalie, what up? You were hot at that Chewy's that one time. Uh, what's your deal? Like, you're going to be with these ashes forever or whatever? Like, what's the deal? By the way, Todd gave me this envelope for you. Uh, it, it just says, please tell Natalie to sleep with Mikey. <laughs> no. Oddly enough, in Mikey's handwriting? What a villain. What a villain. What a, what, yeah, yeah, what a villain you'd be when you do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll have a separate letter that says, don't listen to Mikey's letters. They're fake. Mikey laughs as he takes a drink of his old fashioned. This is real Ted Todd. There's like all these dead Todd letters coming in. No, Paige and Mikey's letters are fake. There's a killer in the attic. I swear to God, <laughs> if we start getting dead Todd letters to the P.O. box, I'll be very upset. <laughs> and then a messenger shows up and he's like I'm stuck in 1885 <laughs> <laughs> they call me Duck Brown I'm from the future and your child has to go back in time to sleep with Mikey <laughs> this is what I want my funeral to be like Mikey's funeral is the first funeral to be visited by time travelers but only because his letters become like Nostradamus type like predictions in the future. I would like you guys to talk about my big ass dick at this funeral. <laughs> Remember that time Mikey had that podcast and they uh, talked about his vitamin water. Remember that vitamin water sponsorship he eventually got and the millions of dollars they made on that campaign? Taste my vitamin water. I'm being buried erect. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a headstone and a vitamin water sticking out like four feet down from the headstone. There's an extra piece of wood like rectangle in the middle of the coffin that goes up. We tried to burn him, but it just wouldn't burn. I, I have a metallic purple jumpsuit that I will wear to your funeral and pretend to be from the future if you let me. I will 100% get UPS or somebody to deliver a package is right in there and it's like <laughs> a model head of mine and be like i was just murdered again <laughs> p.s i love you mikey has this whole like doctor who like mikey dead extended universe he's gonna like build <laughs> for a, a few choice friends where like he's always trying to make it back but like he keeps getting his plots foiled by the time lords and they kill him uh Todd, it's called an ARG, and it was super cool 10 years ago. 
I ruined a potential Tinder date with a conversation like this one time. I literally can't imagine that happened. So please tell me the story. Like what? We were messaging back and forth and he were. He you know, like, like when you're making small talk on Tinder and you're talking about Doctor Who type situations you get killed in. Small talk on Tinder. And he's like, what are three things you want to do in the future? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Kyle I, Reese. I was like, I was like, draw a treasure map bury an empty box wait till i'm on my deathbed and then pull one of my children whoever of my children is closest and just say the map is behind the painting and then die in the parlor in the parlor <laughs> and i i was like how about you <laughs> because i was like expecting him to like riff back with me and he was like I don't know. I think like five years, maybe I'll go corporate. And I was like, oh, we're uh, not a match. I'm out. But that's a really good way of weeding out somebody because like, yeah, is this someone who's going to be a yes and in my life? Or a, oh God, no. If it's yeah. not a yes and, then it's a, oh no for me. Sorry. I need someone who can riff, you know? Oh yeah. He was like, weird. I just meant like, you know, work and stuff. I was like, boo. We did not go out. Anyway. <laughs> if you have corporate life goals, but don't have like pranking your children into learning how to like love and accept themselves when they spent six years finding this treasure to open it and reveal a mirror. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. It would be my sex tape. <laughs> yes. It would just be the tape of you flicking them off. Like, no, just your origins and it's a sex tape of the <laughs> conceiving. it's a conception inception yes oh no todd you have to watch the treasure of foggy mountain did you like it Paige? i loved it <laughs> it was amazing so good what is it it's the treasure of foggy mountain it's on peacock anyway so back to this movie three weeks later it, and she does have a thing right after the wake where she carries that giant urn home. That's the biggest urn I've ever seen. It's like the size yes. of a milk crate for one person. She designed it herself and it's ugly as fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's it. They try to make her like a designer. They're like, she designed it herself. And I was like, Ugh. it looks like she bought a fancy hat at Hot Topic. And that's what that urn is. <laughs> it looks like a tiny Chris Angel is trying to escape yeah. from it. <laughs> uh, those ashes actually, when he rubs them on her uh, arm, it's what card she picked seven years ago. <laughs> Four of clubs. Um. <laughs> it does look like a, a box that a magician would pull a dove out of, though. Oh, absolutely. But dead doves because right. it's it's an urn. Uh, it's designed after the cancer. It's, oh, it's designed after his guitar case, which you see in the foreground of the apartment. Yeah. But no one ever explains that. They're just like, she designed the urn. Isn't it cool? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Which I would say, had I known it was designed after his guitar case, I'd be like, not my favorite choice, but I get it. So, yes, you know. I would have gone half the scale, at least. Oh, I know. Like, there's a lot of negative space inside that box that is going unutilized. The, yeah. I agree. We don't know that. Remains are not large. We don't know if he even got cooked all the way through or whatever. You think there's like loose body parts in that box, Mikey? She just got a to-go box from the funeral parlor. <laughs> just a rack of ribs in there? I'm going to be taking my Gerard Butler to-go. 
He's got a lot of abs. God, <laughs> his abs couldn't cut through. They were too strong. He could, he's too strong. You saw 300. I did, and I wish I would have watched that instead. Me too. I do like three. I, I am unapologetically a big fan of 300. Hard same. I honestly haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember enjoying it. Anyway, back to this movie. She takes this giant milk crate of an urn home and then undresses in front of it, but hastily, like as if she was ripping her clothes off for a sexual encounter, and then imagines that his ghost is in the apartment with her. I thought some shit was going to go down because of the- I thought she was going to masturbate with the urn because she was like listening to his <laughs> voicemails. And then in my notes, I put down, I was like, note to self, if you know you're going to die, record a sexy message just in case you die. She had like funeral lingerie on, like a funeral corset yes. or something. Well, she was wearing Spanx. Yeah. I was talking about the top. Oh, that's right. No, she is in like a corset. Yeah, I thought some stuff was gonna go down. But she didn't turn the she didn't turn the light off, so it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> I mean, the box is ribbed. For her pleasure. Uh, <laughs> it's got it's got the bumps. Okay. Would you record a sexy message for your significant other in the event that you die? Yeah, just be <laughs> <laughs> Turn the bass off! Turn the bass! <laughs> Yours is just Pitbull songs, yeah. and we're like, he knew we wanted to hear this. He was the true Mr. Worldwide. Mm -hmm. I definitely think if I had time, like if I knew I was going out, I would leave like something behind. I don't know that it would be like a sexy in nature, but I would mail her dick pics every week for three years. <laughs> <laughs> and they just get more and more absurd as you, you, you would or you mail her thing where a, you, a mold. You plaster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my brain. Get out of my brain. I'd be like, this is my dead husband's dildo. <laughs> Penis in a dildo form. <laughs> Oh, I would just sext all my whole body. <laughs> what sext? You would sext? What does that even mean to sext your whole body? I would have a sex doll made of my likeness. Oh, okay. I can't take the money with me or leave it to my <laughs> wife who's greedy. <laughs> I love that on your th list of things to do, if you like know you have a year left to live, one of them is get body cast made so people in other generations can still fuck me. And then in the back, there's a string like Woody and you pull it and it says, P.S. I love you. Okay, okay. Would you have sex with a sex doll of your deceased partner or would it make you too sad? It would make me way too sad. I think it would make me too sad too. I know who I am when I'm grieving like that. 100%. <laughs> oh I would be sobbing the whole time and then I would hate myself. Like it would be a troubling time. Like I don't know. You, I, I would need to be put on a watch at some point at that. I mean, like, yeah, I know I could get there, though. I know what I'm capable of, the depths of my despair. Why did she make me a sex doll of herself? I'm so sorry I asked. Yo, the one-hour comedy special writes itself. I'm so sorry I asked. But also, we need to do Lars and the Real Girl at some point. We do need to do that. Something about that title makes me think she's not a real girl. I wouldn't take it out of the house or, like, give it gifts or anything. But, like, 
They make them real nice. I, I heard somebody say. <laughs> Dishwasher safe, even. What did you say, Todd? I said there's something about that title that makes me think she's not a real girl. Oh, are you unfamiliar with Lars and the Real Girl? No, I haven't seen it. <gasps> oh, it's it's Ryan Gosling. It, it will also make you sob. I cried yeah. so much in that movie. It's a good movie. We don't have time for those kind of movies now on this <laughs> podcast. Not as of late. <laughs> No, I mean, would y'all? We both said no. I would be too sad. You know when like you're really grieving and then it like goes over to where you know you've lost it? I think that 30 minutes is the time <laughs> that that would happen. I love that you have it down to the minute. So for me, it would be like having sex with their corpse. And I, yeah. that would be traumatic to me. I would, that would be, I couldn't do it. I, at one point before our cat Dennis passed. Where is, is this, this going? going? <laughs> Hang on. Hang the Wait fuck on. I asked if we should have him taxidermied and Jake was like, no, it'll make me too sad. I was like, it'll make me too sad too. I think this is the most extreme terrifying version of that where you've basically had your loved one taxidermied. I brought it back to the topic. No, that's way different. I wouldn't fuck her body taxidermied or otherwise, but like a sex doll, I think I could get there with alcohol and grief <laughs> oh my god i appreciate your honesty it would be it, i'm not saying it would be enjoyable and i'm not saying i would like it and i'm not saying i wouldn't be ashamed i'm just saying when i get really sad it gets really bad <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah i don't think i could have sex with a sex doll i think that would make me too sad i do think i could jerk off two the sound of somebody's voice. Yeah, like you want to hear it. Would you put it in the bed with you to like lay there so you don't feel as alone? No, no, that would be weird. Like a body pillow? Like, yeah, like a body pillow shaped like your dead ex. No, I don't want the shape. But it's also a sex doll. Yeah, exactly. So, no, 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 no. Body pillow is one thing because it'll kind of take on the warmth of your body. And as you fall asleep, you kind of forget. Yeah, sure. But what's a sex doll if not a body pillow you could fuck? No, completely different. I'm sure they make them where it takes your warmth as you go to sleep. No, <laughs> it, but he it won't move. They won't have a heartbeat or whatever. And I, uh -uh. At least with a pillow, I'm like, I know this is a pillow. Right. No, no, no. I couldn't do it either. Yeah. The, the sex doll... I'm, no. Mm -mm. If you and then it has a button you push and it just has all the regrets. It just tells you regrets for that has from being with you in your relationship. Oh, why would you want that? Why is that a feature? <laughs> I will. Say, if, if it was not related to death, like if I just happened to be single and got a sex doll of someone I've never met, that I could do. Could you have a threesome with your with Jake and a sex doll that would look that is Jake? Absolutely not. That's the most terrifying thing. That's so <laughs> fucking weird. That's so strange. Why would anyone do that? Would you have would you have a not a threesome, I guess, but like would you have sex with your significant other and they made a sex doll that looks just like them? They cloned themselves. <laughs> that just sounds no. like a super elaborate sex toy that brings no additional value. Thank you, Todd. Yes, Todd is right. Like, I'm all about bringing toys into the game, but like... Like Battleship? <laughs> not like Battleship, you vanilla mother... Anyway, <laughs> so she has gone into grief hoarding mode where she's not answering phone calls. Her house is a mess, she's not shower. I mean, she's she's fucking grieving. This would be the time. That's the time where she would have had sex with that sex doll. Well, and she keeps <laughs> seeing him around the apartment, and I was like, it's a ghost run. And then I, in my notes, because of how things have been going, I was like, wait, is Hillary Swank also dead? <laughs> anyway, uh, she's ducking calls. She's going through the grief. She might be a ghost. 
I don't think so, but it would have been more interesting. Uh, and she's leaving a ton of candles out and then falling asleep. And it's a wonder that apartment doesn't burn to the ground. Yeah, I'm getting the vibe that at this point, she doesn't really care if it does or not. But also, this whole section, because she does like a whole singing thing and she's watching old movies this section goes on for like seven to eight minutes and it could have been one shot yeah it could have just been one sweeping shot of the messy apartment yeah we have all the information we need it's so long it's wild and it's it's honestly it's it's a long time to establish that she's like a fine singer she's not for them to later on be like you're a really shitty singer like she's not terrible i thought that they were establishing that she was like not leaving the house and hoarding yes that is what she's doing which also could take 15 seconds to do here in a film yeah right anyway her mom friends family friends all show up at her house unannounced for her 30th birthday which i understand that she's not picking up your calls that's a one person thing that just like yeah one person shows up and checks on you and what you don't just show up en masse and be like, why is your apartment a mess? Like she like her husband's been dead a month and they're just like, God, clean up around here. I mean, they're basically <laughs> like, guys, it smells like he's been dead a month in here. Yeah. Can we clean up? Wow. It smells like you made a sex doll of your husband and then have been having <laughs> sex with him for three years. Or three years if you're top. <laughs> yeah, you're top. But, and one of them is like, you can't act like the loneliest woman in Gotham. And I was like, Gotham? Was he the Batman? And then I remembered sometimes people just call New York that. But it's way more fun if he was the Batman. He would have been a good Batman. Anyway, but this is also them being like, you got to get happy. Like, stop grieving on our timeline. And it's been a month. Like... Also, we find out here that she just stopped showing up to work, like, completely. I do not think she works a day in her life really after this point, but she just seems to have unlimited money after this point. Yeah, it's wild. But anyway, a cake gets delivered with a recording device taped to the top of it, and the cake is from her ex-husband, and she like plays the recording in front of everyone. And this is also because of my personal proclivity for sexy heard things, <laughs> heard things. Anyway, <laughs> she starts to play it and he was like, do what I say. And I was like, kinky. And I was like, you should leave the room and not listen to this in front of everybody else. But then it's real vanilla shit of like, go out and have a good time with your girlfriend. Is your mom there? She was always a bitch. I know she's there. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is sort of the vibe of the tape, though. But it could have been, do what I say, take your clothes off, turn the lights out by the bed, because otherwise you're going to trip over that thing like last time. Look under the floorboard. I made a sex <laughs> yes. doll of my body. <laughs> That is so much more troubling. I would His be... name is Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Organ. <laughs> they call him Jimmy Dean for short because he brings his own sausage. Especially in the morning. <laughs> oh shit. All right, all right, let's just go to let's go to Ireland. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I wish we could, man. And they go to a gate. A gay club, and she lies about being the princess of Finland to get in. And I was like, what? Well, yeah, because this gay club, and I don't know how things were in 2007, because that's before I went to gay clubs. I, I've gone to them with my brother a lot now. Sure. But they, I never got gay carded there. You're not gay. You can't come in. <laughs> yeah, me either. Yeah. Every time I've been to play downtown, they're just like, can I see your ID? Cool. Yeah. And like, that's it. They're like, you're a woman. You can't be gay. And I was like, I don't, I don't. But also, if anyone's going to know about Finland, wouldn't it be the people who are really 
into Toms of Finland? <laughs> like, na- like that was the worst lie. Like, pick a different country. Oh, Toms like the shoes. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you just revealed how straight you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and just say when he said that, I was like, Oh, yeah, the shoes. I'm going to let both of you Google Toms of Finland right now. So what you're saying is no one's ever going to know. Or I'll share my screen. <laughs> oh, I'm Googling it. He made stylized homoerotic art, which is something she could have done if she would have picked a style. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Maybe that was her art. She's like, I'm the queen of Finland. My name is Tom. And they would have been like, oh, the guy. But no, because Tom has been dead since the 90s. But anyway. They go into the to the club and the cl- in the club they're playing snaps and I fucking hate that. Why do you hate it? It's a real game. Yes, it's a real game and it's annoying and stupid and part of the whole thing of like teaching people to play snaps is you don't just tell them how to play snaps, you make them fucking guess it while you're snapping in their face for a fucking half hour and <laughs> I hate it. Never try to teach me snaps. I even got the hang of it at one point. It was like, I refuse to play with any of you nerds. This is just pretentious and mean to just like condescend to people until they understand why you're snapping at them. That's why I always walked away when someone was trying to do it with me. I was just like, I'm not. Yep. I'm not an active participant in this. I'm good. Yeah, totally. I walked away too with all the people trying to play snaps with me. I bet Mikey, you lapped it, lapped it, lapped it up. No, no, it is it is definitely more of a Todd thing, which I'm surprised that you were not a snaps person because no. you seem like the type. It seems <laughs> stupid. It's it was so frustrating. No one tried to play with me. It was sar- it was sarcasm. <laughs> and they play multiple times in this movie, and I'm just like, ugh. I'm glad that did not stick around and was only a thing of the time. Yeah. I will give an Oscar to her little sister who comes in with such little sister energy that it can't be denied. She plays the perfect little sister. Her little sister's only in three scenes of this movie. Every single one of them. She has no defining character traits. She's in the same outfit every time. And she just says crazy shit. Yeah. She was there on set for 38 minutes and they had to shoot all three of her scenes really quickly. Like, I don't even, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. And by the end of the movie, the movie even forgets she's there. Yeah. Because she's like part of the friend group. And then when Lisa Kudrow is picking her bridesmaids, but refuses to have a pregnant maid of honor because this movie's kind of terrible, <laughs> she completely forgets that there's a sister that has been hanging out with him the whole time. Yeah. And that girl is not involved in the wedding at all. No. Well, little siblings should be seen, not heard. That's rude. I'm telling mom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you told me. I'm not going to do anything about it. I forgot mom's also an oldest child. (laughs) So in snaps, you're snapping for like syllables and you're trying to like guess based on the syllables, the name of a person they're identifying. Oh, that sounds fucking terrible. And no one tells you that. No one just tells you that those are the rules. So what are the claps then? I don't fucking know. I never figured it out entirely. I didn't even like Wordle that much. So. But they're, and all they do is like the name of the game is Snap. Snap's the name of the game. And then they snap and clap at you and somebody gets it and is like Mariah Carey. And you're just like, I don't fucking know. Can we just have a conversation? And they're just like, no, try it. Clap, clap, snap. Suck a butt. I'm not going to do it. Bop it. Spin it. Push it. Bop it is fun. Anyway, so Gina Gershon learns how to play snaps and then infects other people with it. But we cut 
two. They're back at the mom's bar. She's drunk in like the supply closet. Not the mom. Right. Hillary Swank is drunk in the supply closet. Yeah. And then Harry Connick Jr. comes in because he works at the bar. And I think he's just restocking the bar. And Hillary Swank's first line to him is, why did God kill my husband? I loved it. It's literally right as he opens the door. Directly into his face. Yeah. And poor Harry Connick Jr. alludes in this scene to, I would say, being on the spectrum, although I don't think this movie really understands what that is, what that means, or how that looks. I completely agree, Paige, yeah. I mean, we don't have to talk about it. I just know that this depiction is a little wild it's a little now but here's what i will say because one of the big traits that they give him is a oversharing but b saying exactly what he means at all times and telling her that he's on medication a lot and telling her that he's on medic whatever we're all on medication but personally if i had the choice between her who doesn't communicate at all and him who over communicates i'll take over communicator every time baby and the fact that she doesn't recognize that as an asset problem also, it's Harry Connick Jr. He's pretty hot in this movie. I don't know. I mean, he was like, maybe you did something wrong, and that's why God killed your husband. <laughs> and she's like, what did I do? <laughs> it's a wild scene. She ends up throwing up on him. And it's like, not like a great meet cute, which, I mean, it's not really a meet cute because they don't end up together. But I feel like it's like the false flag meet cute. But also, he then has to help carry her home to her apartment. And while other people follow her, uh, or I guess up to the mom's apartment who lives above the bar, along with the urn, because she brought the urn to the bar. I thought that was insane too, Paige. I was like, this is like that episode of My Strange Addiction with that lady who's eating her husband's ashes. What? Did you just say? That's the best one. That's the best episode. That's that and the one who is eating her mattress and then a couch uh, are the main ones that I remember from that show. But she was doing with like plastic spoons, just like nom, 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 nom. And then she would like take the bag with her and just like eat bits of it like in her car and stuff. Okay, Mikey. Mikey, what do you want more? A sex doll of your significant other or a pizza restaurant with animatronics and one of them has your significant other inside. Is, are they trying to kill me in the pizza restaurant? No, they're just there to have a good time. Pizza restaurant. I would say pizza <laughs> restaurant too. But I think that would it would make me it would make it harder to get over her than the sex doll because the sex doll's disgusting and that's something you could never talk about with humanity. But like <laughs> he said on a podcast moments ago <laughs> but like a pizza restaurant where her animatronics like it's your birthday mikey <laughs> a wee moe a wee moe a wee moe a wee moe it's a mikey a mikey's birthday her name was chelsea entertainment cheese <laughs> <laughs> but her body is inside the italian chef and you're like the mustache is kind of doing it for me <laughs> late night energy baby welcome to your my birthday party kids the body of my dead wife will sing for your birthday here at my pizza joint for families it's my dead wife's pizza <laughs> what's the cupcake a dead dog <laughs> <laughs> That's a Five Nights at Freddy's. That is a that is a banger of a Five Nights at Freddy's joke. <laughs> Loved it. We had that we had that author on who I love, and I'm like, do you think the cupcakes an aborted fetus? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh no, he's a stranger. I think we cut that part out of the episode. Oh, damn it! Yeah, and he just looked on the Zoom call, and I was like, <laughs> just feeling you out, just feeling you out. I know how it is. <laughs> 
And he was like, that would make sense in the story. <laughs> that episode is great, though. Like, oh. listening to a renowned author break down the story structure of that movie is a delight. It's very fun. Anyway, she wakes up hungover, and Gina Gershon is like, we're going back to work next week. But she starts getting letters from Gerard Butler that's like, buy yourself a fun outfit. And at this point, I was like, with what infinity money? She's probably paying for his medical bills and she just paid for a funeral. Like, what are you talking about? Do you know how much that giant urn costs? (laughs) Yeah, she does. She made it by hand, right? Like, I guess. Anyway, she wears the disco outfit to bed, which is weird. I mean, sometimes you just want to feel fancy. I get it. I've been there. We cut to her showing an apartment with Gina Gershon the next day and or next week, I guess. And it's a couple. And the wife is like, we got to put an offer down right away. I really want this apartment. I want whatever. And she's making all the same demands that Hillary Swank was making of Gerard Butler. Yeah. And Hillary Swank was like, can't you see he's concerned? Like, you're not being kind or whatever. And they get into an all out fight. And it was at this point that I was like, oh, maybe she's kind of learned from that first conversation no later she's just like i need a bigger apartment for me and the giant urn (laughs) i did think that they were going to show us growing as a person because of this scene but it doesn't happen really it doesn't happen you could i think the movie is like just trying to say that like when she comes back and doesn't ignore lisa kudrow and like you know they rekindle their friendship or whatever that is her coming back but like she just did it to sell shoes right Let's be honest with each other, right? She's MLMing her shoes to her <laughs> friends. Yes. They call it art for your feet, Paige. Uh, it's called direct sales. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I have a great business opportunity for you, Lisa Kudrow. How do you feel about essential oils? Anyway, so she gets a dancing, singing leprechaun uh, that tells her to do karaoke. That was my favorite part of the movie, by the way. The dancing, singing leprechaun. It To me, it's hilarious. Like, of course, send a dancing, singing leprechaun. That's a funny bit. What's a funnier bit? That leprechaun doesn't want to do his job that day. Refuses to sing. Yeah, like doesn't want to sing. And Hillary Swank aggressively doesn't want it to either. Like, that interaction is so funny to me and felt like someone else wrote it there are many pieces of this movie that feel like other people wrote them this movie feels like six different drafts and they were like let's keep everything yeah um but this is where we get the flashback to karaoke and he's singing and crushing it and i was like why not make him a musician it would make so much more sense and then we find out he kind of was but they didn't tell us that until this point in the movie fucking weird uh and he tries to get her to do karaoke in the scene and she gets up and does princes get off now at this point we need to have a conversation about the musical choices in this film because i feel very strongly about them okay numero uno and todd and i talked about this a little bit before we started recording yeah i assume that they could not get the rights to the beatles p.s i love you because it is the most recognizable p.s i love you song it's literally the only one i could think of before this movie played like three others for me that does sound very expensive it does yes so that was my thought too when Paige brought brought this up earlier it does except that this was one of like the romantic comedies of the year. It was Gerard Butler after 300, he was huge. It was Hillary Swank. It was based on a best-selling book. If any movie is going to have money for that song, it's this movie. They don't, it does not play. In fact, hardly a recognizable song plays in this movie. It, like with the exception of this one and then Galway Girl, which is like, I guess famous, but if you're not a country person, it's not recognizable, right? Like I had to look it up 
And looking it up, I was like, okay, I get how people would know this, but I've never heard the song, right? It's an Irish movie. That's an Irish thing. Like, I, you know, yeah. Sure. So Prince's Get Off. I love Prince. I love pretty much every Prince song. No one would sing this at karaoke. And also, you paid Prince for rights, and you wouldn't pay the Beatles? Prince is almost as expensive. What the fuck is happening in this movie? I'd say they made the right choice, but I like I understand that Beatles wrote a song called P.S. I Love You, and it should be in this movie. I have a different criticism. There was no screen that showed the words to the songs, and that bothered me in a way that I can't describe to you. It must have been like the kind of setup where it's like a stage, and only the person on the stage can see it because it's like built in or whatever. No, you see both sides. It the camera cuts to both sides. It does. It does. Mikey is right. It intercuts. You're right. That's so dumb. So you just are supposed to know the words. I realize this is a movie, but like. That's not a believable karaoke setup then. Todd, like you and I are karaoke people. Oh yeah. Like there there are songs that I love and would shout sing in my car that I will never do at karaoke because I would be like most people don't know this song which makes it not super fun for them. I just wanted this scene to end. These flashbacks went on for too long. Way too long. And she falls off and breaks her face. And like twists her ankle. Like she breaks her nose. Yeah. And I thought it was funny that like we do see her in the hospital because like we see her in the ambulance which no one was strapped down to the sides. Oh, when she pulls her pants down to, like, karaoke, though, I was like, dang. Oh, yeah. It's a skirt, but yeah. It's a skirt, yeah. She also ties her skirt up. Like, she does it up to look sexy. Like, she does it on purpose, you know? I think she's, like, trying to mark her territory because he just introduced her as his wife and, like, it's clear a lot of those women are there for him. And he was kind of weird about it where he's like, I'm I'm taking on takers, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a weird vibe. The karaoke was a weird vibe. But also, I'm like, let's say that you want to do Prince and you want to stay with it. You didn't do Erotic City. You didn't do Naughty Nikki. You didn't do, like... Dirty Diana? That's actually Michael Jackson, but... Oh. Kiss or whatever. Your kiss. Your kiss? A million other songs that probably cost you about as much... That people would be like, oh, that's right. That super famous Prince song. Yeah. Although I, <laughs> I've i seen people like fully get up there and be like, yeah, I'm going to do the full seven minute free bird. They're going to love it. And it always goes poorly. So like Paige, I would never do it, but I've seen it done way too much. But like. It was a weird choice in this movie. And then the whole soundtrack of this movie, I started to notice after I was like, these are all strange choices. And I think part of it's the mix. Like if I can put a finger on it, the music is too loud for you to ignore it and for it to just be part of the background, but it's not recognizable for you to place it. So like you're constantly like, what am I listening to? And it's very male coded. And, and I know that sounds weird, but I like, I would catch pieces of it and I would be like, this is the kind of shit my ex-boyfriend used to listen to. And like, that was all I could tie to it. I mean, I bet most of those songs were written by dudes because of the time period most of them were written. That, that like, they, 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 there weren't a lot of, unfortunately, because it was like a gatekeeping kind of situation, there weren't, like, a lot of female songwriters. There, There's only one song in this movie even sung by a woman, by the way. That doesn't surprise me. Only one. And I, to the point where it stuck out and I noticed it and I was like, what am I hearing? <laughs> like, And then online, because I started digging, the soundtrack has this weird cult following. And it's a lot of like 
I'll call it Dropkick Murphy's adjacent sad ballads. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've seen Dropkick Murphy's live. I love Dropkick Murphy's. They're great. Sure. Here's the thing, though. Dropkick Murphy's a good time. Oh, yeah. And they put on an amazing show. But sad ballads kind of like Dropkick Murphy's. Not a good time. Oh. Not a good time at all. Please give me the Fratellis instead. The bad guys from the Goonies? What? The Fratellis? Oh, no, there's a band called the Fratellis named after the characters in the Goonies, but they are also an Irish like rock band that was around this time. Yeah. Anyway, I it, I was not vibing with any of the music in this movie. I was not featuring it with Ludacris. <laughs> anyway, so she goes back uh, and she's going to do karaoke, except now it's hosted by Mayhem, a.k.a. Dennis Duffy. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Do you not? Did you not recognize him? No, I know. I recognized him. Did you not? Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I recognize him as the Beeper King from 30 Rock. But I do recognize him now as yeah Dennis Duffy, the Beeper King. Uh, yeah, I do. I do know you're referencing yeah. the commercial where he is. Yes, Mayhem. Sorry, he is Mayhem. I, I was thinking like a wrestler named Mayhem. I was like, what? No. But yeah, no. I love that guy too, and I wish he was in more of this movie. But I do love that he ends up with Lisa Kudrow, who we haven't really talked about, but she is sort of a chaos person in this movie. And I love her. Every scene she's in, I'm laughing. And I enjoyed her so much in this movie. Yeah, she was good in this movie. Yeah. She, the side characters are not the problem for me in this movie. I agree. Yeah, agree, agree. Except for that one, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. But, in yeah, so he's mayhem right now. He's on Law & Order. Uh, right now, he's on Organized Crime. But he used to be on SVU for, like, ever. Yeah. And, like, while he was on SVU, he was on 30 Rock, Dennis Duffy, the Beeper King, who was a recurring ex-boyfriend of Liz's in probably my favorite role that guy has ever done. I think it's one of my favorite roles of all time. It's so good. The way he like, yeah, you'll be back, dummy. I don't know why. It makes me laugh so much. He's like, no, beepers are going to be coming back. Technology's cyclical. It's just so like, <laughs> he's so confidently wrong about everything. It's amazing. There's the one time she like confronts him on St. Patrick's Day and he's like, yeah, I got to find my wife. And he just yells out the window to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Hey, Megan. And like 40 <laughs> women are like, hey. Yeah. Oh, God. Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. <laughs> I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's We're going to table that. <laughs> but on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal on Romance of the Pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up. Just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I <laughs> have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, <laughs> ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I. And it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. And Factor comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now 
because <laughs> Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the I end know. of the ad. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going. All right, Factor Mills. <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Anyway, Dennis Duffy, the Beeper King, hosting karaoke. She goes up and sings a sad ballad about her husband crying through it that like I didn't recognize this song either maybe other people know it I could I have never heard this song before in my life and then on the return like on the the reverse shot she's just seeing Gerard Butler because she's singing it just to him but I want you to think for a moment about the reality yes of being at this karaoke where you're just sitting there and somebody is just like 24 karat magic in the air. All right, next. And then it's this lady who just quietly sings a song and cries. She is full on weeping. Okay, I have seen a karaoke where someone cried in their song. Are you, wait, really? Uh, okay, so in college. Oh my God. In college, there was a Mexican restaurant that did karaoke on Wednesdays. And let me tell you, and this is Starkville, Mississippi. No. No, I, this is all, I got, no, no, no. This was Jonathan's in Bellevue, Todd. You were yelling at us like we so contradicted no. you. I was like, did I black out and accuse you of it not being <laughs> that place? No, 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 no. I, I mixed the memories up. I used, in college, I used to karaoke at the Mexican place on Wednesdays. It was in Nashville in, Be in Bellevue, which is like a suburb of Nashville, kind of. It's still in Davidson County. I used to go to that Jonathan's to do karaoke. Okay, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. People would bring their own CDs to karaoke at yeah. this karaoke. No. So this guy would sing in German every week uh, multiple songs. And then people, it was like all ages, all different alcohol levels, yep. all different vibes. Jonathan's is a weird vibe. It was the weirdest. But if you think that's funny... The best karaoke to go to. <laughs> it is. Because you would just, it would be like two college kids getting drunk and singing fun stuff. And then the guy singing in German. And then a woman coming up singing a ballad and crying. And you're just like, oh, but also there would be someone there who was like, sure, they were going to get discovered that night. That's that's what we get in L.A. That's why yeah. I don't do karaoke in L.A. Often. We get a lot. We get a lot of that here, too, man. Yeah. Oh, but man, seeing someone cry after someone sings German on a CD that they brought themselves for karaoke is the best. Mikey, I remember that guy. I can tell you why I remember that. The flood in Nashville, 2010. Yes. The night before the flood, I was highly intoxicated karaokeing on that in that bar. And my friend walked home in the rain, like two miles. I'll never forget it. That's wild. A lot of guitars were lost that day. 
<laughs> I'm not even joking. One of the storage places that is like downtown got flooded and it was like a lot of um, artist storage. So like a, literally like millions of dollars in guitars and oh, drums geez. and all that shit was destroyed that night. But more importantly, Todd, watching someone cry in karaoke is a very strange yet highly hypnotic vibe. That is strange. I've never I've never seen that. And in L.A., Either you can you can get a private karaoke room so it's just you and your friends, which is what I prefer. We did that for Natalie's birthday. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I really enjoy that because then it's just you and your friends dicking around. Yeah. Uh, but if it's like a like put your name on a list, like a traditional karaoke, the list is a million years long. That's why I like doing my karaoke out of town. Kansas City coming to you. <laughs> hey, Juno, love this place because it would be probably 40 people total in the restaurant. OK, so you could sing. As much as you wanted, whatever you were feeling that night. So people would go through a breakup and just sing sad <laughs> songs every fourth song. I don't think I'd be able to look away. Much like I can't look away when Mikey does karaoke. That's my favorite train wreck I've ever seen. It's the best. I love it. Come to come to Panic Fest this year. I'm sure they're going to have one this year. So, yeah, let's do it. I am not good at singing. Um, no, but I appreciate your effort and your enthusiasm. And you put on a great show. You put on a real fun show. And whenever I, because I have that video on my phone, I have not posted it, but sometimes I will show it to people in my life and be like, <laughs> I can't adequately explain what happened. I need you to witness it. And then they are just confused, just rampant confusion. Like my sister was like, I don't even know how this is going on. That's not the worst emotion. And I'm wearing a blazer. You are wearing a blazer and pointing a lot. You got a point. And getting, but you did get down on your knees. You have to point. You have to point. That's just how my karaoke is. Yeah. I'm perfecting an impression of your karaoke that is only funny to people who have seen the video or witnessed it that evening. I love that. I think I may have posted it online. <laughs> Can we skip ahead? How how much do we want to skip ahead? Ireland. There, honestly, a lot doesn't happen in this movie from here on out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she cries during karaoke and makes it weird for everybody. And then she goes and sits by herself and Harry Connick Jr. is just like, hey, you've lost some weight. I'm just like, bro, no. You look hotter. Bad opener. He, is this the scene where he yells, I think you're hot in her face? No, that was at the wake. Okay, that's right. It was at the wake. Oh, God. No, it was after the wake. It was after she came home from the gay bar and is in the closet. That's right. That's right. Ah, three weeks after the wake. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is where he's like, what do women want? They like, do we tell you too much? Do we not tell you? No? And she gives him what I think is the truest answer is people have no idea what they want. And I was like, accurate. <laughs> Most of the time. Well, he has some strong incel type energy in this scene that I didn't enjoy. Yes, but I, I feel like they temper it later when he is okay with just being her friend. And he's like, no, this isn't a thing. We're just weird friends. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like. That you can be weird friends and that's okay. I think he, we, we come to find out he is also going through a lot throughout this time with right. his own version of the grief. His fiance left him. Yeah. yeah and like, like, it's like a very weird situation where his old ex fiance and him started a business when they were still together and then they broke up, but we're still business partners. He started dating his new fiance and then his new fiance was cheating on him with his ex ex fiance. Yeah. Anyway, it's a very weird situation, but I, I do like how there are other people who are experiencing different versions of this type of grief. 
And I really love the scene at the end with um, her mom. Talking about her dad leaving, yes. And and her version of it wasn't, you know, her dad didn't die. He just left and, like, made the choice to leave. And, like, right. and those are the, mo- the moments that must have been stolen from the book because they're just so good and so sweet. Yes. And the rest of it is not. And it feels disjointed. It is very disjointed. Well, the book, from what I can understand, because I have not read the book, the book sounds great, honestly. Yeah. Like, and, and even as I was watching the movie, I was like, I bet this is a really good book that's just a terrible movie but the book focuses much more on both how jerry's death impacts everyone a little bit differently because when one person dies like their partner's not the only one that feels that loss and that absence right it it ripples through the community like and so the book i think explores a little more of how everyone is missing him Um, But it also explores other people having their own versions of this grief and relating to her as she goes through it. Yeah. And so, yes, I do think those are stolen from the book. Probably. Yeah, it's got to be. But we go through like a montage of a handful of scenes of her and Harry Connick Jr. kind of hanging out. He helps her pack up the stuff like and they're essentially, I would say, dating. At this point, like they're not official. There's nothing really physical going on, but they are as like a couple spending a lot of time together. They're going on a lot of friend dates, one on one friend dates. Yeah, yeah. It's that weird adult friendship you get into sometimes, as I do, where you one on one time with an adult who's very attractive. Can I tell you a time in my life in which I did this? There was um, when I got back from San Diego. From that relationship that I cannot talk about because Mikey will make fun of me. We'd have to turn the thing on the, <laughs> on the poster. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you shouldn't have made her cheat on you. <laughs> exactly. It is my fault for sure. You introduced the mannequin leg into the relationship <laughs> yeah. and that's where it started. Who am I, Dan Harmon? But anyway. so like, It's your TikTok feed. <laughs> uh, the first person I, and really only person I really dated before Natalie after that was a girl named Susan. And we went out like 16, 17 times. Never kissed once. That's so many times. But we were both like going through shit and we just like really glommed onto each other and like talked through our shit together. But there wasn't really anything like sexual on either side. Like I, I wasn't into it. She wasn't into it. I love a good emotional codependency it really gets me going i don't know like i thought it was helpful like it was and i don't know like we don't really talk much anymore but you know i like trauma bonding it's a good base for a relationship well i mean (laughs) yeah but i also like i've been in a relationship sort of like harry connick and this uh in you know in this movie with hillary swank you know like where it's like you sort of glom onto with someone and they sort of help you with your shit and then you may just come apart because they're not like a good fit romantically you know where do you meet widows I want to meet some widows. Nursing home? Too, too, too much. (laughs) Percentage wise, you're probably going to find the highest amount of widows there. The logic is sound. (laughs) Thank you. But I think I'm more than half their age plus seven. I don't ascribe to those math rules because I think it lets people get away with dating way too young for them for like an emotionally healthy relationship in most cases. But I'm just saying you just asked for widows. You didn't specify. That's true. You could try checking under dry wood and logs for Black Widows. (laughs) Anyway, she gets back to her apartment after one of these many friend dates, and uh, she imagines that Gerard Butler is there. I think it is just to signify that it is the first time she's been alone. And she even says this. This is the first time I've been alone with a man in the apartment, so it's a little weird. Sorry, I'll go change. Yeah. And, like, it's very much like, 
and go ahead and like pick through Gerard's stuff. And if you want anything, just take it. Cause like I'm getting rid of everything. Okay. I had, I had a friend and her fiance died of a seizure. This is a sad story. That is super sad. You should have led with this is a sad story. (laughs) I was not prepared for that. We're going to swing. We're going to wildly swing back to weird. Uh, because we like all gathered at her place or whatever, sure. and then she, I was like, I work with all women, so it was a coworker. We, we we were I was much younger, we were all young, but I was I was like one of just I was like the only guy there because I like knew and um she's like, do you want do you want his condoms? What? No. <laughs> what? Mikey, hang on. Immediately, I have to know if you took them. No, I I couldn't. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Mikey. That's too weird. That's too much of a risk to curse your dick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You don't want to get a poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to, I don't want to talk to that guy on my squeegee board. It's going to make the dick talk like in Pam and Tommy. You're like, Jason Manzukis, what are you doing here? Y'all would have been so proud of me because it was, I was like, no, thank you. Nice. But inside I was like. Free condoms. Mikey, I honestly thought you would have taken them just to like sort of diffuse what was happening and then thrown them away. And this is not like a one-on-one conversation. This is like a group of people. What? That's even worse. And I'm singled out and she's like, do you want the condoms? And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like I, everybody, there's like eight faces looking at me. And I was just like, nah, I'm probably having just as much sex as him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you sit up after afterglowing and your cursed dick is on a Ouija board or something. You're just like, no. Right. I, I, I just couldn't do I couldn't do it. And I have my own brand you know like i didn't know what you know it's That's you know true. people are picky about their brands what if it was your brand though not that night that was like the night he died no what because they had just bought the, it's one of those like weird things that are like popping into people's minds when they're like in acute grief oh my god i will say that does happen and it can get weird and i was like no thanks and i haven't told this story to like anyone in like 10 years well but now the world knows i know it, right so thank you for that <laughs> Anyway, uh, after Harry Connick Jr. leaves, she like pictures ghost Gerard Butler in bed. But my only note for this scene is that he wears too many bracelets to bed. He's got like a Johnny Depp's amount of bracelets. And I was not feeling it. He has enough bracelets that if he turned over in the night, he would sound like someone was like ringing a bell or something. Like it's a lot. He, he looks like a Swifty. He's like, I just got back from seeing the Eras tour as a ghost and I'm here to caress you. <laughs> oh my God. Seattle was so much fun. It was way better than Vegas. Like the show was way better. It may have been. I don't know. I'm sure they are different show to show. Anyway, <laughs> so cut to summer and she's waiting for the mail every day and she gets a letter and she and Spike from Buffy, because remember Spike from Buffy's in this, uh, go to a travel agency and The travel agency informs her that before her husband died, he planned a whole trip for her and her friends to go to Ireland. And it's like a whole thing. This is when I started wondering about the money. Like, what the fuck? Like that. Okay, it probably wouldn't have been super, super expensive, but like thousands of dollars at least. Right. And they're like big fight at the very beginning of this. It's sort of like, well, we don't have enough money. We can't provide in a way that makes me comfortable to like bring life into this world or whatever you know so like the fact that he had just like income to blow and that she could just go to ireland for like a month with medical bills I know. she can go to ireland for a month I funeral know, like, expenses yeah it makes no sense it's weird but she tells kathy bates about it now i will remind you from the end of the movie spoiler alert kathy bates 
knows about the trip, knew about it ahead of time, helped set it up. And Kathy Bates is like, yo, I don't think you should go because I think at a certain point you have to let him go. And sometimes these letters are re-engaging you into grief when you should be moving forward and it's giving you an excuse not to. Which again is her saying grieve on my timeline, but I also don't think she's wrong. No. Yeah, I I think the implication is that she is like, you need to get over this. You need to move past this grief. I think the sentiment of, you know, these things that are tying you to the grief may be harming you and not helping you move through it. Yes. And I understand that, and I don't think she's wrong in that. I think the implication right. of please get better on my timeline is the bad part of it, though. And so yeah, I agree. Right. Right. But I and I don't necessarily know that this was a do this on my timeline issue as much as I am worried that this is harming you and making this harder. Yeah. I mean, I think that this line of dialogue really just serves. So like we would be like, oh, the mother would never be in on it because like someone has to be in on it for her to still be getting this. Because she's like finding him in pockets and stuff where it's like, I know, I don't think you can like bribe the usps to like hold on to an envelope for three years or whatever yeah it's it's weird uh doc brown did it for like 200 years i think he hired the pinkertons and that makes me hate him even more anyway <laughs> we go to ireland for no fucking reason we go to ireland because this book all takes place in ireland apparently and He's from Ireland. It was a big deal that his parents couldn't come to the funeral and she wants to go, yeah. I think, sort of meet them. Like, it doesn't seem like they really know each other. It feels like they've never met her, except then in flashbacks, we reveal that she would have had to have met them yes. when she was in Ireland originally. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, they've been married eight years. I think so. I think eight or nine years. Yeah. Been together for eight or like almost a decade. Yeah. And he's never been home to see his parents and taken his wife and they and they've never been to new york like right i mean i get the times are tough but man like nine years not seeing your family man that would be hard for me i would be trying very hard to get back home i mean i here's the thing i understand it from a financial standpoint because same yeah you know it's it's not cheap necessarily but like there are ways to kind of save up and do it and it seems like he and his family had a good relationship which like they if did. you don't have a great relationship with your family i understand it a lot more oh sure yeah anyway he leaves letters for her friends and i do like that he doesn't leave a letter for her and lisa kudrow is just like oh i guess he liked us more than you <laughs> i thought it was very funny everything she is doing in this no notes on i love her yeah it's like mean phoebe and i'm here for it, it is yes <laughs> yes and it's like it's very crazy like she's a crazy person when she's like at the very beginning of this walking up to guys and being like um are you are you single are you gay are you working and then like someone finally answers yes to all, all three of the or it's sorry. mayhem yeah it is yeah well i know but but like it's just it's just crazy she's crazy but like I buy it because she's so good at being that person, you know? Yes. I love it. I also love she and we kind of glossed over it because this movie is too long and has too much stuff in it. But there <laughs> is a scene where she is at a table and Spike from Buffy is criticizing the way that she interacts with men because it's not ladylike. And she basically is like, for all the times y'all have stared at my tits and grabbed my ass. Fuck you. Yeah. I reserve the right to stare at asses and do whatever if that's how you're going to treat me. And I was just like, that's fucking right, Phoebe. Anyway, so uh, they go out to a pub where they see Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing guitar 
and wearing a t-shirt that just lets like a little bit of his tattoo poke out at the bottom and that's like <laughs> the hottest <laughs> thing ever i mean hillary swank hooks up with like the two hottest guys of this era in this film that's true but she does eventually talk to him and he's like stay for my next song and she's like okay and this is where he sings the girl from galloway which is by steve earl which i was not at all familiar with before this but like from what I have Googled seems to be a very popular song, so I'll give it to the movie. I still think the karaoke choices were questionable. Well, this isn't a karaoke choice, and he's back in Ireland, or sure, we're back in Ireland yes. for this. Like, I understand why this is in the movie. Like, I don't know the song super well. I've, I've heard it before. You know, it's like that sort of a thing. Yeah, I've never heard it before, but he's like, it's a very popular American song. And I was like, okay, is it going to be Brown Eyed Girl or Sweet Caroline? And no, it was this. <laughs> <laughs> I do think he oversold what was popular in America. Yeah. Same. Same. Because if he'd gotten up there and been like, blah, 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 I would have been like, yeah, brown eyed girl. Anyway, so she goes home like right after. But uh, they go out fishing. They're on a boat. They're talking. And her friends are like pressuring her to have sex. And here's the thing. I get that that is eventually going to be part of her reintegrating herself into the romantic landscape. I understand. For sure. But I also feel like that's one of the most sensitive parts of that reintegration. And you should never push someone to do that. I feel like that's something people are going to have to do on their own time. I think it's going to be weird the first couple times. Like that's a, and her friends are just like, you need to get fucking late. And I'm like, you guys need to back the fuck off. I mean, a little bit later, like this night, I think like when he's back at their place, isn't it this night or it's like the next day or whatever? Like, yeah, yeah. they are like, why don't you stay the night? And then like, they're putting a lot of pressure on the situation to make it happen. Yes. Which like, if it was my first time back in the, I would not want to do that with like you and Mikey in the same house. Not only that, I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to do it this way. I want to listen to my grieving friend have sex for the first time in a long time. And then cry. <laughs> right. I'm like, if you think she's maybe not going to cry after that, like she's probably going to cry. And like, and not only that, like I've never been through this, so I can't say a hundred percent what I would do. Yeah. Same. But I feel like, if it was someone that I was not in a long-term relationship with, I wouldn't necessarily want to share that or have that information out because it would be me working through some shit. I feel like in a longer-term relationship, that's something where that person knows what you've been through and you can kind of explore it together. And there's an understanding that maybe crying and stuff will happen. But that's not something you would pressure somebody into. Yeah. I've had two women cry afterwards. <laughs> you have. I know you've told us about at least one. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing where it was like long-term relationships ended and I was the first person. Yikes. Man, I can't say that that's ever happened. You just got to active listen through those moments and not freak out. Right. Which is probably why they picked me to rebound on, which, you know, because I'm like nice. Yeah, and also a therapist. Yeah. I mean, that probably doesn't hurt, but also that makes me feel dirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they used you for your mind, Mikey. Or my heart. Both. It is a, it's a weird feeling because you feel like, I felt like I did something wrong until the, until you tell me. And I'm like, oh my God. Did right. I, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And th it also may have been a situation where it's like, it happens and she's like, okay, I want to go home and get away from this and cry on my own time. No, no, no. Both. Oh, I'm sure. But you never know. Like, she can't get away from him. She's trapped in the house with him. <laughs> like, And she's an island. Yeah. Yeah. One was like, this is the first time I've had sex without, not with so-and-so in, in like in two years. And I thought, okay, okay. And then one was like, this will be the first thing I can't tell him. Oh. 
yikes. I was like, wow, I actually really liked you, so I don't think this is going to work out because I feel like you're not over that ex there. Yeah. Anyway, they get stuck out on the lake. He's the only one who can pick them up. So he they take him back to their like Airbnb and her friends immediately like climb upstairs to ditch them together while he's in the shower. So he gets out of the shower. She sees him. He puts his clothes back on. But then he's like, OK, maybe this is going to happen. They're like drinking. But then they have one of the most awkward kisses I've ever seen. And then she backs away and she says one of the strangest things I've ever heard where she's like, I'm trouble and not like cool Pulp Fiction trouble. And I was like, has this writer ever seen Pulp Fiction? Because like, what trouble do you mean? Do you mean like I accidentally shot a drug dealer in the back of a car? No. Or I am a hitman with a clouded conscience? Like, what do you mean cool Pulp Fiction trouble? Do you mean I'm raping a drug dealer in a pawn shop? Like, what are you talking about? I think she was talking about Uma Thurman. What? But also problematic. <laughs> no sense like as in like i overdosed while i was dancing with someone my husband hired what are we talking about i love that she had five of those in the chamber i think all that she meant was like entertaining trouble like the kind of trouble we watch in popular movies like pulp fiction what no that's insane that is a crazy thing to say i didn't write this movie i'm just saying what i thought she meant in that scene i what not like cool fun trouble like that's all you had to say she says cool pulp fiction trouble and i'm like does she mean the novels but then she's like the movie and i'm like what pulp fiction is one of my favorite movies so i'm just like oh, really? what the fuck is she saying it's just crazy that's a crazy thing to say i agree anyway they kiss it's not really hot at all and at this point i have in my notes i'm like could they not decide on which love story because they put they go all in on jeffrey dean morgan overnight just like immediately oh i got i i thought that they were gonna do this like this is the rebound and then she's gonna go back and fall in love with uh harry connick jr yes or she's gonna like kiss him and be like no and there's someone back home and i can't do this sure 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 yeah no they full scale bone and then she's like hey can you drive me to this place in the morning because like i want to see my in-laws he's like who are your in-laws and i was like oh fuck are they related they're not they're not he's her husband's former bandmate which is just as bad i did think it was hilarious and she's like i met you back in the day <laughs> like uh-uh no it was real upsetting it's fucking weird so like let me ask this do you think he knew who she was the whole time? No, I don't think so. I do. <gasps> I mean, here's the thing. She doesn't look any different. So he should. Yeah. From the last time he met her. He should. I think he got a letter to fuck her. Oh, Mikey. I made the joke to Natalie. If he comes out of that bathroom, because he had gone to shower. If he comes out of that bathroom with just a towel and a note from Gerard Butler that says, fuck this man, I would have lost my mind. Oh my god do you think he did no but i think she would have i mean she has sex with him anyway i think he might have oh god i don't know his whole storyline as a love interest is not in the book and makes very little sense in the film and is just weird it doesn't feel romantic to me it feels like the front page of Pornhub 
It just feels weird. It only feels that way because at the end of this movie, it's heavily implied that they're going to be step-siblings. But also in this scene where he's like, oh, wait, you're so-and-so's Holly? I thought for sure he was going to be like, my brother? And I was going to be like, <gasps> like, gas. That would have been terrible. I thought that too. <laughs> I, that would have been terrible. It's different if it's your bandmate because there's there's no relation really you know right one would hope but it is ireland yeah i mean <laughs> it's ireland enough that snl one time did an entire sketch of an irish dating game where everyone was related yeah there's like some terrible factors at play in that yep that's like really sad in irish history that are like we can't get into but yeah we can't. that is a sad reality she goes and meets his parents or and it seems like she's meeting them for the first time even though it the story definitely established that she would have known them the first time she would have at least met them like on that trip right and i assume they went to the wedding too right they were there as far as i know yeah it's right it's it's a real weird vibe but this scene it it definitely i i don't know if they hadn't met in this scene for me but i definitely got the vibe that this is like the third conversation they had really had you know like that's fair that's fair they didn't know each other that well you know? That's like my parents met my in-laws at my wedding. Right. They're like, we're family, but I've only talked to you a handful of times. Right, yeah. exactly. Like that sort of a situation. And I really did think it was sweet that like they like welcome her in and they're like very sweet to her. Like sure. They, and they really want to grieve the loss of their son with his widow and like have those conversations. I think it's really sweet. I also sort of loved when like the night before his bandmate was like, Hey, if you want, I'll tell you stories about it. Like no. about him and us growing up together and stuff. Nope. I don't think that's like the right time for that. But that is like, I think a very sweet offer to like have from like his friend growing up. No, that gave me the full ick. As soon <laughs> as I found out that it was like a friend, like I was like, he should leave right now. A bandmate's more than just a friend. But yeah, like that doesn't make it better, Todd. That makes it worse. No, 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 no. I know. I know. Take away the sex part of it. What I'm trying to say is like, it would be really sweet to have those stories from your lost husband who can no longer tell them to you. Sure, but you can't take the sex part away because they're naked in bed. And he's like, shall I tell you about the teenage times I had with your dead husband that you probably feel super guilty about right now because we just stone cold boned <laughs> on a trip that he paid for? I still think he was in on it. I think he got a letter. I do too. And he was like, yo, when you see my Holly, here's your picture. You can take this one for the team. Just like a Polaroid of Sarah Connor. Just like, she's the mother of the future. I do. Th- no, I mean, if we got a PS I love you too, where like it's revealed that like he got a letter and he was like T O O yes T O O Mikey yeah T O O oh god anyway she goes to his parents they give her another letter and thus ensues the longest flashback of this movie that tells us fucking zero information <laughs> for twenty fucking minutes yeah I at this point in my notes I just keep adding comments that are like when is this movie gonna end. Please let this movie fucking end. Like this is, they do have a first kiss that is not hot and has zero chemistry. Wait, who does? And the movie still doesn't end. Gerard Butler and Hilary Swank. Because he meets her on the road. Oh, yeah. This is their actual meet cute, right? Right. And she's just like, 
visiting on a summer trip, I guess, after school. Yeah. And before she goes off to college, I would assume at that age. She's already in college. She's okay. in art school. And he's like, what kind of art? And she's like, I don't, I don't know, know yet. And I'm like, <laughs> art school is like 40K a year, you brat. Like, what are we doing? They've got to be rich as shit. I mean, this whole movie, no money makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, it's whatever. Her mom owns a pub. How does she afford this? It's insane. Money's not an object in this universe, apparently. No, she's the her mom's the mob. Yeah, but like they are walking in the same direction, so they like talk and they like fall in love. I guess. Yeah. I did think the whole like dog coming up and he was like, "It's a vicious." That was so strange. He's like pretending that dog is gonna attack her so he can hold her close. It's weird. And then she realizes what's happening and like then joins in on the bit. Which I like that, like showing me that, that they can play together. I like seeing that in couples I'm watching in this type of stuff. This just felt really cringy to me, though. Like, this was a bad example of that. Ah, this whole movie's like that. Especially because, like, he's like, oh, it's a wild Irish dog. And she actually seems scared. And I was like, oh, is she unwell? <laughs> the dog is not scary or threatening at all. You're right. I, I, well, I, I was like, is this a street smarts thing? Or is she dumb? Like, what's happening? And then she's like, oh, maybe we could, like, turn around. And, and I was like, just fucking kiss. Like, why are we doing this weird production for no one? Like, what is this? Just fucking kiss. It's so, and like, the one thing I like is her being like, we're going to leave. And if I run into you, great, because then it will be the rest of our lives. It can't be anything else. Right. Which is irresponsible, but a great yeah, line. Don't leave those kind of huge, big decisions to literal happen chance. Like, just don't do it. Yeah. But she does run into him, whatever. Uh, we cut back to, she goes back to New York. She's not answering anyone's calls again. She's hoarding. She's made multiple vision boards. Yeah. And they're not very practical. One is Vampire Hunter, which is very funny because Spike from Buffy is in this movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, but also then on her vision board, it's just like a $100,000 salary and a bigger apartment. And I was like, first of all, for who? It's just you. Secondly, you have no job skills. And very little job, consistent job history. And you're just like, no, I'll just, I'll find something for a hundred thousand. And that's what I'm going to take. I'm not taking anything else but that. And I'm just like, what are you doing? You're going to be looking for a long time before that job falls in your lap for sure. But this whole movie solves all that by just making her like a famous shoe designer by like yada yada-ing through it all. In this scene. <laughs> so she gets, she gets a phone call and she lets it go to voicemail. But it's Lisa Kudrow telling her that her wedding is on New Year's Eve. And if you get married on New Year's Eve, fuck you. What are you doing? Who does that? Why are you getting married on a holiday to steal a holiday from other people? I would understand like eloping on New Year's Eve. Yes, 100%. Or like a mourning. Sh exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not like making it about bringing other people to force them to come to you to celebrate new year's eve right right you're just like eloping that's cool i think outside of that it's a little bit much here's the thing like the morning of new year's eve i got no problems nobody does anything of course that day. yeah right but like it's the same thing with people who have have weddings like on christmas Ooh, because it's like yeah. now everyone's christmas plans have to be your wedding yeah you would only do that if you wanted no one to go to your wedding right <laughs> Or if you're like, all of our family's going to be in town anyway, two birds, one stone. But even then, I'm like, go Christmas Eve. Like, <laughs> right? And leave the day for people if they want it. It's just wild. Anyway, Lisa Kudrow's wedding is on Christmas, uh, is on New Year's Eve. 
and she doesn't answer it. She knocks over like a picture and the suspender clip that was on it falls onto a shoe and she's just like, <gasps> shoes? And at this point in my notes, I'm like, first of all, we're like six acts into this movie. <laughs> Is she going to be a shoe designer in 10 minutes? Yeah, Paige. That's what's happening. She, and she doesn't go to fashion school. She takes one class on making shoes. Now, I'm going to reveal something a little personal about myself, and that is I have explored the idea of making my own shoes because I take on weird hobbies. Are you a cobbler? Hang on. Do you cobble? I have not cobbled. Okay. Okay. Um, But I have watched many a TikTok by a handful of people who are exploring cobbling at home. And there are various levels to shoe design that you can get into if you want to get into it. It's an expensive hobby. Uh, That's why I haven't cobbled. But, like, people do kind of do it, but the idea that she could, like, zero to 60, learn how to make shoes, and then become, like, a full art shoe designer in what looks like two weeks is bonkers. (laughs) And then she just shows up to Lisa Kudrow's wedding dress appointment, which, by the way, unlikely, especially because the appointment was at Kleinfeld's which was the site of the original Say Yes to the Dress TV show. Oh, okay. But it is also, it's a real store in New York. Oh, all right. And it's what, uh, in Bridesmaids, when they go to the appointment, that's what it's based on, because you need an appointment to, like, get in. So the idea that she could just walk in and be like, look, I made you these hideous shoes, insane. But this is also where Lisa Kudrow is like, how dare I have a pregnant bridesmaid? It's fucking weird. It's a weird side quest in this movie. It is, and it only exists... From like the moment we started talking about it through the next scene and then it's gone again. It's gone except for one flash at the end of the movie. We never talk about the shoes again until the very, very end. But it's like we're supposed to expect that she became like a shoe art mogul and now can just live wherever the fuck she wants. Yes. She's like, it's me, Countess Steve Madden. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) it is I, the queen of the Payless shoe source. Like what the hell is it? It's just like, I married Stuart Weissman and that's why I have fancy shoes. And I'm Mrs. Jimmy Choo. How dare you? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, she goes on like a lunch date with Harry Connick Jr. And, and it is proceeding like a date. And she's like, I'm doing these shoes and you're the first person I wanted to tell. And like, but again, that was a whole movie ago. That was an hour ago that she last saw him in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, cool. So should we like go to dinner? And he's like asking her out and he's not being cagey about it. He is blatantly asking her out. Yeah. And she just keeps dodging the questions without actually saying no, just ignoring the questions. And she then accidentally calls him Jerry. Yeah. And I think it kind of sets him off. I mean. Nothing he says here is wrong. I agree with everything he says to her. I think at this point he was like, oh, shit. I thought this was something more than it was. Yes. I need to get away from this situation now. If you're not making out, it's not that. Sure. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I also think in this scene, he's setting that boundary of like, if Mm -hmm. it's not going to be that, then because he just says, I really like you, but I will never be your like, I'm not the invisible man that you're in love with. And I'm tired of being the shoulder for all your emotions, which is I think some people might read that as like, he doesn't want to be her friend if she's not fucking him. That's not true because they do continue to talk or whatever. But I also think that it is okay to place a boundary with the amount of emotional work you are willing to do for someone else in a relationship for your own mental health. 
sometimes you need to set that boundary. Yeah. And I feel like the older you get and the more relationships you're in, the more you can kind of quickly recognize that and maybe set those boundaries a little earlier. But I also think that, you know, he he set up that he does not take social cues well or whatever. It probably took him longer to understand that this right. boundary needed to be set. Yeah. Um, but he basically says, I'd like to be someone's Jerry. Yeah. Which I think is just like, I choose me. I want someone who wants me back. Fully support. Go with God. Yeah. But at this point, I just have in here. I'm like, this movie is bad because we cut to her. She goes to the bar and she just cries to her mom and just repeats basically word for word a scene that we've already seen. Yes. In this movie. Yeah. There's no new information. And then her mom is like, let's go walk in the park. And her mom gives her some harsh ass truths. Yeah. I love this scene. This has to be like ripped from the book because it's so like just heartfelt. And Kathy Bates is so good, man. Because it's fucking Kathy Bates and she's the I master. Know. But like the way her mother is like not even like equating the grief that like she went through because her husband chose not to be with her. And she is sort of like saying, hey, it's similar to what you're going through. We could talk about that. And like it comes out that like Hillary Swank has no memories of her mom laughing as a kid. And like you see that hit Hillary Swank in a way that like she's like, oh, man. I wish I wish you remembered that because I did laugh and like right I, like you just see it like she's so good she's able to convey so much emotion in that scene I love it she is good the only bad part of this scene is that it's taking place in the tunnels of Central Park yeah I have watched too much Law and Order to not immediately be like they're about to get killed <laughs> yeah people get murdered in those tunnels or they're about to stumble on a dead body. Yeah, they're about to, like, as they're jogging, be like, exactly. see, I think having a pregnant bridesmaid is okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> dun, dun. Central Park, 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> like Anyway, she also is like, I think Gerard Butler reminded you of dad. And, but th and this is where it takes a turn where I was like, this was a great scene until this point. Because her mom is just like, it's hard to watch your childhood for the same life that you had. And I'm like, but Gerard Butler's a different person. <laughs> like... Different people make different oh. choices and do different things. I think she meant that she was watching her daughter become the same sad, angry person that she became and she now regrets being. She saw Hillary Swank heading in that direction because she was just like so consumed by her sadness. No, because she says when you met Gerard Butler, she did not want them to be together. That's insane. Yes. And I, that's why I wrote it down. I was like, this is fucking toxic. Now, if it was like, I didn't want you to be sad or whatever, that makes sense because she does at one point be like, I had to stop waiting and now you do too. But it's not until Hillary Swank was like, but I loved him and we had a good relationship. They didn't. We saw it. Uh, and like, <laughs> but now he's gone. And then this is where her mom reveals that she was in on it the whole fucking time. Yeah. Which is so fucked up. I mean, she was literally his compatriot. Like, I think the mom was the only other person who was in on it. Right. And then we, she gets one last letter, and it's the last one. At this point, I was like, if you just cut the shots of her reading letters, because it's just her <laughs> staring at paper, you'd cut 20 minutes out of this movie, yeah. and it doesn't need to be two-plus hours long. But this is where we get the other P.S. I Love You song that's not the Beatles, but has definitely has it in the song. And I was like, did they just like go to SoundCloud and are like, what's a song with this phrase that we can license? I don't know. 
<laughs> but at this point, she gets the funniest voicemail I've ever heard from Harry Connick Jr. That's like, please forget everything I said in the restaurant. I, I was in an emotional place. That wasn't fair to you. Let's talk about it. Uh, and now I'm rambling. I'm so sorry. I'm still rambling. Fuck, why am I doing it? And then he just hangs up the phone. Hilarious. It is very funny. I actually, okay. I've seen Harry Connick a few times live. He's a great singer, puts on a great show. Oh, okay. I bet he's amazing live. I really like him in movies. Like, I think he's good in movies. And I find him super charming. Man, if you have a chance to see him live, it's really stellar, man. It, I would. He has that crooning style that's, like, not popular anymore. But, like, it's good though. he nails it. Yeah. Uh, but then at this point, and I was like, so is the shoe thing just over? We will not revisit the shoes for another 20 minutes uh, because the apartment is haunted again. Gerard Butler is somehow there. Uh, she meets him at Yankee Stadium to read the last letter and then makes him read it to her in a hilarious monotone affect. Well, okay, so she had already read the letter. Yes. And yes. she was like, I honestly think this is like super sweet and I love that they subvert this, but it's like, the perfect first date for this situation where like they're going to like Yankee Stadium. They're going to like stand on top of the dugout. They're going to do this like I'm going to let you read the letter that my husband sent to me, which I see the faces you're making, Paige, and I agree. That's why I like that it didn't pan out this way. Same. But like so he reads the letter and it's like you need to live your life. You need to move on. You need to do your you know, you need to do your own thing. Right. Yeah. And. Then they kiss. And even like at the kiss, it's like Harry Connick also pushes back and is like, this doesn't work. I think they were like, we're fucked. We have to land this in a way. This whole date is so cringe. It's tough to watch. But yes. then on top of that, this is the best kiss in the movie. And it's not good. There's not a single good kiss in this movie. They needed Jake Johnson up in there to show people what's up. Got a scoop, baby. Got, got a scoop. Yeah. You got You got to do the scoop. Hell yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, they they immediately like this is not going to work out. We're just weird friends forever. Yes. And, and I do love that he is like, I will always be your weird friend. Yeah. Like I'm here for you. And and at this point, I was like, I respect the hell out of this. If you just ended the movie here. We cool. Same. Nope. And I do. I'll I'll say this. I think because largely of the trauma bonding that they did when they weren't really dating, but they were just like both going through shit together. I think there is a love that forms for those people. And if, if it doesn't spin romantic, you're just going to stay friends with those people because you do yeah. like you went through shit together. I have one of my best of friends and I like went through some shit around the same time and we just like spun our lives together for a little bit as we like went through it, you know? And he's he'll be one of my best friends forever. Love that guy. Yeah. So they they're friends. That's great. Uh we cut to Lisa Kudrow's wedding and a weird shoe fashion show and those shoes are fucking hideous. <laughs> those are some of the ugliest shoes I've ever seen. You keep calling them shoes like people are supposed to wear them. It looks like they're at a fucking art gallery. They look so painful. Uh, but then she's like, I decided I had to make my mom laugh again. So we're going to Ireland? I was like, try a comedy club first, bitch. <laughs> like, it's less expensive. But so they go back to Ireland and her, like, voiceover in this scene is another place where I was like, this is 100% written by a dude. Because it's just like, she needed to regain her laughter that dad took from her. And I'm just like, what? What? She's been a strong, independent business owner this entire movie. Let the lady live. So they go back to Ireland. And of course, she runs into Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And she's just like, oh, my God. Yes. And I was like, this movie just shat the bed. Like, we should have ended it with Harry Connick Jr. But no. Then all of a sudden, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's dad shows up. 
and their mom is like <laughs> like there's a love connection between her and the dad and they're like walking around laughing it implies very heavily that we are about to have a step parent step child porn scenario oh yeah and that's, that's the, the movie, movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, did you guys think that they boned down like their respective partners at the end? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think Kathy Bates and that dude's dad are together and that Hillary Swank and that dude are together for sure. Yeah. But what did you guys think about P.S. I Love You? Hard pass. I don't have any further thoughts. <laughs> no, I, I would rather talk more. I, I'd rather watch Lars and the Real Girl. And talk about uh, dead people's sex toys. I think we talked about that enough on this episode for no reason. But Ryan Gosling wasn't in it. So, you know, now we got to do Lars the Real Girl. I mean, I mean I'm game. I'm not going to pick it, but I'm game. But uh, as far as it goes for me, like, I, again, am not shocked that when I picked a movie I hadn't seen, it turned out to not be great. But that is your, your signature, yes. <laughs> but this movie felt like a premise that could have been like a Charlie St. Cloud but not, like, executed in a way that is fun to watch. This movie was wildly famous, so... Yeah, everyone saw this back in the day. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did and remembered none of it. I know. All I'm saying is that, like, Charlie St. Cloud last week, I'd watch that movie again. I'm not going to watch this movie again. Oh, I can't wait to show Charlie St. Cloud to people. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like the premise in this is, like, almost as crazy, although not quite, but... Like, this could have been that same level of fun, but it's just, like, not executed in a way that's fun. Well, yeah, if he was a ghost. But he's not. He just wrote letters like a lazy ass. He's not. And the one ambulance we see only has one person in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lazy ambulance driver right there. Isn't there a movie with Gerard Butler where he, like, goes to jail, but it's, like, set up this, like, intricate plan to, like, Yes. Prove he didn't do the job or whatever. It's like it's like exactly this, but the action movie premise of this. And instead of being dead, he's just in jail. I don't That's know. That's a movie, right? Yeah. Gerard Butler has not turned down a movie in like 12 years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he that's refuses true. to turn Olympus down movies. Olympus has fallen. London has fallen. Dubuque, Minnesota has fallen. <laughs> he was in Geostorm. How dare you? Oh, God, Geostorm. <laughs> the man works. I mean, he gives it his all. Yes. That man has not taken a sick day in 12 years. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> he owes a lot of people a lot of money, it seems. Yeah, it would seem that way. He does act like a man with gambling debts. You're right. He he has the work ethic of Nicolas Cage, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he, is, he is working. If you know what movie I'm talking about, let me know, because I'm pretty sure that's like a movie. He's done a million of them. And it, well, there's that one where he has to escape jail by driving cars. That like death race one. Yes, that's a good one. So is the one that he's talking about, though, where his wife gets murdered and the guy comes out. So he kills everyone involved in the case. Uh, it's like a, That's what it is. What's the name of that movie? I don't like Is that. it Heaven Has Fallen? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but Paige, <laughs> do you have any fun facts for us? Yes. Well, hit us with your fun facts. P.S. Fun, fun facts. facts. During the strip tease. The suspenders did pop off, but they hit Hillary Swank in the forehead. What? And she, yes, it cut her forehead and had to be taken to the hospital where she received several stitches. Wow. You can actually tell because in the movie she's wearing a Band-Aid and she says it's from like a blemish. Uh, and they're like, oh, you should be showering because then you won't get pimples or whatever. But it's actually where she had to get stitches from that scene. Okay. Yeah. That's the scene where they come in after three weeks and she hasn't bathed. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. That sucks. Yep. To get stitches, that's like a lot. You got hit bad. Especially on your head. That's a real yeah. tough place to get stitches. Although the head does bleed a lot. I uh, busted my head open four times as a child, which explains a lot. So I am no stranger to uh, forehead stitches. Ugh. Gerard Butler has apologized to his Irish fans for his poor attempt at an Irish accent in this film. You might not know this because we are American and people sound the same to us, but Gerard Butler is Scottish. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. He did sound different in this movie, but I honestly was like, wait, is this like where he's from? And this is like how, how he sounded at this time? Like he hadn't done a movie in his American accent yet? There are people who do like interviews. Yeah. There are like actors who are like British or Australian who when they're doing interviews for American media talk in an American accent. And that to me is like, Next level, like, I have to show up a certain way to a certain country. Like, that's nuts to me. Alexander Skarsgård does it. Yeah. Though he was one. Christian Bale does it. Christian Bale does it. Although I feel like Christian Bale has had an American accent for a long time. Yeah. Like an adopted one, the way Madonna adopts other people's accents. (laughs) Yes. We'll use the term adopts. Appropriates. Yeah. Or or Johnny Depp, the way Johnny Depp takes accents. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, according to the Christmas 2006, so as this movie was in production, issue of People magazine, Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, talked about how he had to take guitar lessons for this movie. Now, his guitar instructor was none other than Nancy Wilson of the band Heart. What? And he, yes. And he, he talked about in that interview that he was so excited to take lessons from her because he had a huge crush on her as a kid. What? And you know what? Fucking respect. Hell yeah. Because yes, heart fucking slaps. Literally like some of the best vocals of the era. Like it's so good. Like I love that band. Nancy's the the I know she's the guitarist. It's it's her sister that sings, right? Like Anne Anne Wilson sings. Like the whole the whole act, man. They were solid. Anyway, the letters are all identical, which I think I talked about, uh, even though the book and the movie are different. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mention in the movie, but I did confirm via fun facts the urn is supposed to match the guitar case. That doesn't help it. It still looks bad, but sure. Yeah. Now, it says Hillary Swank had just come off Freedom Writers with the same director, and she took this role so people could see the lighter side of her work. <laughs> I definitely think this is a lighter movie for the kind of stuff she sure. normally does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the restaurant where Holly and Daniel, or Hillary Swank and Harry Connick Jr., tried to have dinner is a real restaurant. Uh, it's called West, O U E S T. And it's at 2315 Broadway, New York, New York. It was shut down and renamed into another restaurant slash cocktail bar. It's now called Maison Pickle. Uh, But you can still make out the restaurant sign in the background. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for P.S. I Love You in 2007? I'm going to say $25 million. Okay, Mikey, what do you think it was? Oh, 40. Yeah, it might be higher, huh? You're on either side of it. It was $30 million. I think Paige was technically closer, but if you adjust for inflation, that's $44.4 million today. Oh. So it's a, oh, it was a pretty expensive movie. Now, this movie came out on December 21st, 2007, and was number six the weekend it came <laughs> out in theaters. It was beat by National Treasure Book of Secrets, the number two movie was I Am Legend. Hell number yeah. three was Alvin and the Chipmunks. Okay. Number four was Charlie Wilson's War. Number five was Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. And then, of course, number 
Six was P.S. I love you. What do you think it brought in in its opening weekend? Now, here's the thing. I think this only probably brought in about six million opening weekend. However, this movie's beloved. There are people who love this movie. It's become a weird cult classic, but I'm going to say about six million opening weekend. Okay. Mikey? 15. Paige was very, very close. It was $6.4 <laughs> million. Dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, it was in the theaters for a total of 12 weeks, but was never in the top five. It was in the top 10 for the first five weeks, though. So it was like six through eight for the first five weeks and then sort of trickled out from there in its 12-week run. But what do you think it made domestically in the box office during that time? I'm going to say it makes domestically $20 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? 24 Okay. It actually made $53.6 million. So it made its budget back and more, but guys, it made $102 million internationally. So this movie made $155 million at the worldwide box office, which if you adjust for inflation today would be $230.6 million. This movie made a shitload of money. Uh, and listen, I don't think it's a great movie. I think it emotionally manipulated me into crying a bunch. And sometimes I equate that with things being good. And I think in this case, it's not. But I did cry a shitload in this movie. And that's your box office, though. Yeah, if you want to cry a shitload in a movie that I think has a way better relationship in it, watch everything everywhere all at once. Because if you don't openly sob when Kihei Kwan is like, in another life, I would have just been happy doing laundry and taxes with you. You have no heart. It's uh, like it ripped my heart out in the theater. I uh, really wish they had cut out the fight at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, of this movie? Yes. Yeah. I think if you start at the wake, it fixes a lot. Yeah. Anyway, that's your box office. Mikey, do you want to hit us with that romance scale? Our romance scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how romantic we found the film. Or one example, we don't have them. So it's a scale of 1 to 10. So Paige. No, it's a one to four scale. I changed it last time. <laughs> I was wondering if he was going to remember. I was. Okay. I'm back. Okay. One. Yeah. P Todd. Oh, yeah. It's definitely going to be a one for me. It's a one for me, too. I felt I found this unpleasantly unromantic. Yes. Grief is sad, I, but I feel like it's a cheap. This movie makes you feel in a cheap way. Yes. It doesn't earn these emotions. Yeah. It makes you cry a lot because, like, if you've had anybody die in your life, like the subjects that we're dealing with, like are relatable and sad, yeah. but they're not romantic. All it does is be like, remember that person who died in your life? What if they wrote you a letter? Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. That's a romance scale. <laughs> so this no week- No lion roars. <laughs> no, none at all. So this week I made you guys watch P.S. I Love You, and I enjoyed talking about it way more than watching it. Paige, it's your turn next week, and what are you going to make us watch? I made a promise. You did. A promise to a friend that when this particular film was streaming, we would have him on so we could talk about it. <gasps> Hey guys, Todd here breaking in because the special guest that Paige was going to bring on to talk about the movie she just was teasing there was not available when we needed to record this episode. So we went ahead and let her pick a different movie. And for that movie, she picked the 1999 film The Best Man. So your homework for next week is to watch 1999's The Best Man and then check back for that admittedly insane episode. We recorded it last night. But back to this episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No, I'm like falling asleep. Yeah, it's 1132 our time. But I do have a Spotify comment for us to read. And it's from our Win a Date with Tad Hamilton episode. And Aaron says, God damn it, Mikey. 
He said he was choosing a Zac Efron movie, and I got so hyped thinking we were finally going to get 17 again. But instead, it's just disappointment. And I want to point out that she is referring to our Charlie St. Cloud episode. Yes. Which is is the most unhinged I think we have ever been. In an episode. It's the most fun I think I've had recording in a, in a long, in a while. Definitely yes. in a long time, for sure. Yeah. It yes. was just nonstop wall-to-wall laughter. So I hope the um, episode exceeded your expectations, Aaron. But thank you so much for leaving us that comment. But Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yes. A Jacqueline. What does a Jacqueline have to say? Pod for all occasions. I'm sorry, was that pod or a Todd for all occasions? Pod with a P. I was about to say, because the Todd for all occasions is the title of my autobiography, but please go uh... on. <laughs> if you're too tired to absorb a movie or a TV show, listen to this show. Nice. If you need distraction from chatty work associates, listen to this show. Okay, I see where this review is going. We got, we're in a pattern now. Okay, if you're anxious about doing errands alone, Download and listen to this show while going to Target. Very specific. Mm. The companionship and absorption into the conversation is just right for all situations. Three purple hearts, which... I think it's a heart each. I love that. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to consider myself a veteran now. <laughs> yeah, I thought she had been wounded three times in a war. Oh. Well, we appreciate she your signs service. signs it, Ann J. <laughs> yes. From Ann J. Well, Ann J, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And thank you so much for your service. I just realized something. We got through this entire episode without talking about how when she tells Harry Connick Jr. that her husband had a brain tumor, he just goes, nice. Oh, yeah, he does. I also, we forgot to talk about when she's in Ireland and is about to have sex with that guy and they're talking about shoes or whatever. He goes, well, how about going barefoot for a while? Which, which I assume means no condom. I know. I was like, that's a weird way I to ask so a widow too. if she wants to get raw dogged. Oof. That's better than asking her if she wants to get raw dogged. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess <laughs> Irish men are just classier than Mikey. I think it's raw sheeped over there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's wow. going to be it for us, you guys. Wow. I'm paying. Raw sheep dog. It was right there. It was right there. <laughs> Mikey, say your name. Oh, uh, Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. Two sheep. <laughs> I was about to say no. sheepletion. Yes. Sheepfletion. Come to my new website. <laughs> Turn your body into a sex doll for your future loved ones that you left behind.com. It's uh, actually biodegradable. So after you grief banged it out for a year, you can plant it and it becomes a tree. But it's not biodegradable until you plant it. It has to be planted. It has to be planted. And then a dick shaped tree grows out of it. Yeah. A palm tree? Yeah. A rubber tree. (laughs) Bye. It's a condom joke, nerds.